0: Hey! Because I will keep
1: going.
0: I'm not afraid of a good time. Got
1: it. Let's
0: try it again. One, two, three, we're here
1: to uh, talk about silencers and 300 black county. And
0: whatever else we happen to stumble across. And
1: whatever we go to.
0: <laughs> maybe some motorcycles, maybe
1: some MMA. I love all those things. That's what got me into this industry,
0: actually. MMA?
1: Well, uh, I actually bought some silencers and uh, was in Atlanta, stopped by the company and met with Kevin. Uh, He now runs Q. Uh, Kevin and I talked about MMA, motorcycles, pretty much everything but guns and silencers and uh, became really good friends over it.
0: You know, and and that's the thing about this industry, too, is that we're tied to more than just firearms. And that's, that's what I like to show on this show is the diversity. Exactly. Uh, and uh, everybody's not just the the good old Bubba Redneck uh, out there. Well,
1: hang on. I am too.
0: <laughs> well, not everybody.
1: I tend to with
0: that. You tend to resemble that? Yes, sir. Very good. All right, man, let's do this. I'm ready to rock and roll.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, all right, all right, lead heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. I am your host, Lefty. And we are leducating the uneducated here at Talking Lead. We've been doing it for 10 year, years now, since 2012, bringing you all the awesome people, products, places, and things in the firearms industry and outside, because we like to tie in other industries to our industry just to show how we're all connected in this great big world, not only uh, through our likes and dislikes, but... Uh, just our, our personalities and everything else. So I've got a person with a ton of personality joining me today on today's episode. Uh, and uh, some of you lead heads probably saw my social media post. And I know a lot of you did because we got a lot of questions uh, for our guest today. And it is none some other. Some very good questions. Some very, yes, they are. It is none other than the legend himself, John Hollister with Sig Sauer today. He's with Sig Sauer. <laughs> and he has been Legend for-
1: because I've outlived everybody else
0: oh yeah yeah you're not much <laughs> older than me you're, you're the same age as my oldest brother alright so you're you're just a you got me by a few years there got the, it the beards are you know kind of our giveaway so give me seven years and my beard will look like that too I'll be tripping on mine by then <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> you'll be throwing it over your shoulders <laughs> well,
1: I can already do that so yeah
0: you can you definitely can so, John, welcome in. We appreciate you joining us and taking the time. How are you? Oh, man, I, I'm good. Like we were talking earlier, you know, it's fall, and with fall comes the hunting season. And uh, yes, I am gearing up. I don't know if you can see. I'll move my camera for our video audience there and for John. This just came in. I don't know if you can see that crossbow or not
1: absolutely
0: but i got a a new wrath 430x from center point that i've been trying out for the last couple of days they got it here right when the deer season opened here archery season in tennessee so uh, i'm hustling my ass to uh, get it tuned in and and get out Before in the field the
1: end of hunting or uh, end of bow season
0: yes exactly but we've got some time we've got some time so i'm just about three days in I've, i'm uh, hopefully i haven't missed any of the big ones out on our property but uh, I'm going to get out there hopefully tomorrow. That's my goal. That's what I'm aiming for. What about you, John? Do you do any hunting?
1: Not anymore. Uh, I eradicate pests. Uh, I will go, <laughs> uh, eradicate hogs. We don't hunt hogs in most states. We kill them, uh, invasive species. And that's one of my favorites. Also, I, I love to deer hunt. I just have not been doing it. I've been so busy with sick.
0: There you go. And we've got a lot to talk about on, on what you've been up to and what you've been doing. Uh, but before we do that, I've got to thank my sponsors, thank the people that make this show possible. And uh, John, I'll share my screen from time to time too, so if there's things that I need to bring up on the screen to show our video audience, let me know and I can do that as well. Uh, so, that being said, Kel-Tec Weapons, guys, uh, heard me talk about kel we've had Chad on several times, and that's kind of how I, I ran into and met John was at the GunFest this year that we went up it there sure with, with kel and Sturgis. Yeah. And that's kind of the first time you and I have had a formal introduction, thanks to our good buddy Jeremy Gresham with IWI. Yep, absolutely. Also a sponsor of the show.
1: I'm about to say, can I say that I'm a fan of kel products, longtime customer, and I own just about everything.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've, that's kind of what got me into... Doing what I'm doing now is uh, the Sub-2000, when when it first came out, that just kind of really reinvigorated my love of, of firearms and just the innovation that, that they brought with that firearm to let me know that, ooh, what else can be done with guns? Exactly. Uh, so G- George is a genius, and we really appreciate Caltech being sponsors of the show for these many years, and uh, to reward you lead heads... Go to their website, KeltechWeapons.com. Use the code LEADHEAD, and you are going to get 15% off any of their accessories or parts or gear. doesn't include the firearms, um, but any of the, the kit gear that they have. They've got some awesome flashlights, the CL-42s, the CL-43s. I've got several of the CL-43s that I've got in all my go bags and all my vehicles. Uh, really good flashlights. The, uh, the Keltec folding knife uh, is a really good knife. It's sharp and uh, you'll really enjoy it. And then, of course, the cases and all the other kit and gear, the hats, the shirts, 15% off Keltec Weapons. Uh, also, Mission First Tactical, our good buddy Dave over at Mission First Tactical, uh, they have been setting you lead heads up with awesome gear. We've been giving away magazines. Um, AR magazines with our custom logos on there, their dump trays that they make with the leftover, uh, Ky- Kydex Bolteron materials that they use for their, uh, holsters. Um, they've made these things called dump trays, John, and the dump trays, what you can do with those is I use them as armorer's trays. They're perfect for throwing your gun parts in and all those dirty things. Uh, parts of your gun that need cleaning, or if you're just working on something. If you're doing it right. Yeah, if you're doing it right. Um, but you can get custom logos printed on these too, and you leadheads, we've been sending you a variety of different uh, of these dump trays and their tactical folding wallets with some logos on there. We're going to be giving away one of those today to, to one of you lucky leadheads. We may give away a custom uh, magazine too, I don't know, uh, from Mission First Tactical. Uh, and then, of course, our buddies at Seal One, for all your gun cleaning and lubing needs, go to seal1.com and use the code LEADHEAD, and you're going to get 25, yes, 25% off at Seal One. Uh, really keeps those guns, that corrosion away from your firearms, and really, you can put this on anything. This will work on crossbows. This will work on your fishing gear, uh, any of your marine items. It's really good if you're in a corrosive environment uh, to use the uh, Seal One. Um, and safe for the environment, too. So,
2: Hey, Leadheads, White Settle with Seal One. Just here to talk to you and tell you a little bit about our product. Seal One CLP Plus is a bio-based, non-toxic product. It comes in a paste, liquid, aerosol, and pre-saturated, bore-specific patches called seal skins. They all do the same thing, just different methods of application. The best way to use our product is to start with a clean firearm. There's two reasons why I say that. First, you start with the Seal One CLP Plus by field stripping your firearm and covering the entire firearm inside and out, bore, barrel, everything with the Seal One CLP Plus. You'll see how easy it spreads around. You will want to wait about 15 to 20 minutes. Then you come back and you want to wipe it all off. So you see how easy it is to put on, and remove. And the second reason we say to use a clean firearm is you'll find that it's not clean. We're going to pull out more carbon that's been left behind with whatever product you've been using before. Okay, it takes about three cleanings, so I like to say a clean shoot, clean shoot, clean shoot, just normal usage before the Seal one CLP Plus has removed whatever product that you were using before and has seasoned the firearm. It's kind of like breaking in a cast iron skillet and after that first cleaning you will notice a difference and with each successive cleaning you will find that it gets easier and easier to clean seal one clp plus is a dry lubricant and is designed to work as such you will find that malfunctions are virtually eliminated when used properly because the majority of all malfunctions are caused to carbon buildup. and with the seal one clp plus the carbon does not build up seal one clp plus is safe on all metals plastics composites polymers, rubber, wood, and leather. Seal One CLP Plus is a one-and-done formulation. No other products are required or needed to clean and lubricate and protect your firearm. That's why we say Seal One and Done. Seal One is a proud sponsor of the Talking Lead Podcast and the Leadhead Brigade. Use the code LEADHEAD for a 25% off discount.
0: On top of that and then I forgot to tell you Mission First uh, is Leadhead is the discount code there also try to keep it simple John uh, use the KISS principle uh, Leadhead across. I
1: appreciate
0: that the, that's right and you're going to get 20% off at Mission First Tactical so now we got that out of the way um, what we want to do we want to find out more about John and uh, we're going to talk suppressors and like you said 300 blackout and some other things but before we do that We've got to take care of some jack wagons and honor some heroes on the Planes and train segment. So, Gunny, bring that train in.
1: Who Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and 9th. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby.
0: Very honored for he him. Was he was a great dude. He was
1: a hard worker.
0: Man, he seemed to always be hustling, you know? He didn't Only guy ever stop.
1: I know that vet's hustles more than me.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, you, you probably get a lot of your hustle from him. I'd love to think so. All right, so the train has stationed. And um, I was telling John a little bit about this segment. Um, I typically let my guests go first, but since you weren't prepared, I'm going to go first. And I don't think I've seen any from you leadheads between now and the last episode. If you didn't get a chance, make sure you go back to our previous episode where we had Doris Wise, uh, who is the founder of Jews Can Shoot a nonprofit organization that encourages um, people to get out and exercise their Second Amendment rights. Not just Jews, but I guess she just happens to be Jew. She is the direct descendant. Her mother and father were survivors of the Holocaust, John. So she has right. some direct knowledge of that and uh, very good stories that she shared with us. So go back, check that episode out.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I'll just say the Second Amendment's for everybody.
0: That's right. It absolutely, everybody in the United States anyway, (laughs)
1: I'll let everybody have it, but yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: it should be, it should be worldwide, but, um, because it is a God given, right. You know, it's not just a law or something that has been given to us. Uh, it's, it just, it's there and it exists. All right. So my, my jack wagon and my hero, it's kind of, it's, it's all rolled into one here. um, And this this article comes from the Washington Examiner. And let's see, Amy Swearer and Holden Edwards. And this is pretty recent, but I think it's kind of a retelling of a, a previous story. They're just adding to it. So President Joe Biden's most recent speech on gun control showed once again that he has little respect for gun owners or the Second Amendment. Consider, for example, where Biden mocked and not for the first time, gun owners as being afraid of deer in Kevlar vests simply because they want to defend themselves and their families with the same guns that law enforcement officers use to protect the president and his family. And we remember that speech where he, where he was mocking that. So what they've done is they've found 11 new, I'm just going to sum this up, cases of self-defense, people using firearms in self-defense. And I'm going to go through and I'm going to read these instances. August 2nd, this is in Auburn, Washington. A gas station clerk fatally shot a 19-year-old who tried to rob the store at gunpoint. The gas station is no stranger to high-profile crimes. In 2018, two teenage boys made headlines for stealing uh, from the store after another clerk had a medical emergency and collapsed. Uh, one teen actually stole a dollar bill out of the unconscious clerk's hand. So there's an instance of a robbery. Uh, Somebody was protecting themselves. August 3rd in Indianapolis, a homeowner's daughter and the daughter's boyfriend were sitting in a car just outside the house when a teenager with a gun and several others tried to rob them. An armed individual intervened and shot the robbers, fatally wounding the teen police said, and although it wasn't clear whether the armed person was one of the two victims or the homeowner himself, the other robbers fled. This is uh, August the 2nd, Middleton, Ohio. Police said that they wouldn't charge an Amazon delivery driver who shot and wounded a man who attacked him with a knife while high on drugs. Unfortunately, even though the driver acted in lawful self-defense and told reporters that he'd be dead if he hadn't been carrying his firearm, Amazon deactivated the father of three as a delivery driver. So whatever deactivated means... Uh, I'm not sure. Fired him, I guess.
1: Doesn't sound good.
0: No, it doesn't. Here's another one. August 7th, West Palm Beach, Florida, a concealed carry permit holder fatally shot a gunman who brandished a short-barreled shotgun at a family gathering and threatened to shoot the crowd up. The gunman refused to drop his firearm even after several people confronted him, police said. So the permit holder shot him. Let's see, here's another one, Milwaukee. Uh, There's one in Pennsylvania. Here's one in South Carolina. Local police determined that a man was justified in fatally shooting his wife's brother after he broke into his home wearing a bulletproof vest, armed with a rifle, handcuffs, and a metal chain. The man sustained non-life-threatening injuries during an exchange of gunfire. His wife was not injured. The gunman previously made threats against the couple, police said. Uh, and it goes on, Oregon, there's one, Chicago, Detroit, Pasadena, Texas. A woman fatally shot a man who harassed and threatened her co-worker in a parking lot outside the workplace, then assaulted her when she tried to intervene. The woman lawfully possessed her handgun, police said, and neither she nor her co-worker were injured. As these examples shows, the main priority of most lawful gun owners isn't to score an eight-point buck or become an Olympic marksman is to ensure that if someone should threaten them, their livelihoods, or those around them, God forbid these gun owners are capable of adequately defending themselves. Uh, And he goes on to say, it's time for the president to retire his old trope about deer and Kevlar vest and show himself much more willing to treat the Second Amendment and those Americans who exercise the rights protected under it it with significantly more respect. Well, that's never going to happen. So (laughs) we can just count on that. And we need to keep our guard up. Uh, we need to stay vigilant. Contacting our local representatives all the way from your, from your city, uh, county, state, you know, all the way up um, to your, your federal people that are supposedly representing you. You know, these people get mis- misnamed leaders a lot, too. They're not leaders. Uh, you know, they're, they're elected officials that are supposed to represent you, and you are the leader. They're just supposed to represent your voice and make sure your voice and you are represented um, when when these laws come up. So all in one, you know, the jack wagon, obviously, the gun grabbers, the Biden administration, and then, of course, uh, the hero, all those people that are exercising their Second Amendment right uh, and doing it the way that it was meant and intended. God forbid, you know, I don't want to see any stories on here, you know that there's a tyrannical government that we're using these against, but <laughs> but that's also a use for the Second Amendment. That's why the Second Amendment was put in place. So what about you, John? You got any um you got any jack wagons or heroes that you'd like to point out?
1: I am unprepared for the segment.
0: I figured you I would apologize. be. Did anybody cut you off in traffic today on the way to work? <laughs>
1: No, I'm pretty easy going. It's hard to get my dander up.
3: I bet, I bet.
0: Now, do you ride a motorcycle to work?
1: I do not. uh, I drive my truck. Uh, I used to ride motorcycles all the time. I drove cross-country a couple of different times on motorcycle and back. Yeah. uh, When I learned the meaning of saddle sore.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) Very much a motorcycle guy.
0: Uh, Saying earlier that you and I had met in Sturgis this year at... The GunFest, and GunFest just happened to be during Bike Week, and uh, it was it was a good time. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I hadn't
1: been to Sturgis in years. It was
0: awesome. It was. It was. And, you know, that GunFest, and we've, we've had shows on it. We've talked about, you know, their downfalls and, you know, things that they could do to improve. But I really think that it's got potential to be one of the premier outdoor shooting events in our industry. Especially There's with... A lot. Especially, you know, with that crowd, you know, the people that are already there. You
1: know, the, most of those folks are our people.
0: No doubt about it. Yeah. But it, that was my first time to uh, South Dakota. And what we did, John, is we, uh Kel-Tec rented one of those big RVs. Mm-hmm. And they drove it from Cocoa, Florida, all the way up to um, South Dakota. And they happened to pick me up on the way in Nashville, <laughs> so you're you're right there. I got a I got a nice tour of the country and then of South Dakota itself, and it is beautiful. It
1: absolutely is South Dakota. Uh, Eastern Wyoming's right there. Go over to Devil's Tower. Did you go down and see uh, Mount Rushmore and all the the sites in South Dakota?
0: We didn't get to go to Mount Rushmore. Didn't have time. Uh, they had a documentary uh, crew there, and they were doing you know filming the whole the whole trip and, uh, we, uh, brought four bikes and they wanted to get some scenes in the mountains. I can't remember what that, uh, spearhead or something like that. Fish head. I don't know. Uh, right. <laughs> somewhere up there is really beautiful and windy roads and, uh, we got a lot of footage and we went to that town, Deadwood. Oh yeah. That was interesting. I, I really enjoyed that. That was a good time.
1: Um, it was a really, Deadwood's a really nice town. It's uh, a lot more, well, I hesitate to use the word modern, but build, more built up than Sturgis's.
0: It is, and it's touristy. Yeah, it's a big, it's a tourist thing. It me a lot of Gatlinburg uh, when you go to, except maybe larger scale and with casinos. <laughs>
3: right.
1: And uh, there's a couple of nice steak houses there in Deadwood.
0: Yeah, it looked like there was uh, some really nice restaurants. We went to one uh, for lunch. I can't remember what it was called, but, uh, the people are super nice, there, friendly. Everybody was really, even, you know, the owner came out and talked to us, uh, of that restaurant. So it was, it was really cool.
1: Uh, we came out of a steakhouse there and big and rich were across the street performing. And I'm, I'm trying to say hi to them, but obviously they're busy.
0: Yeah. You know, they're working. They're working. There were a lot of celebrities there that day. We were there because they were doing that charitable ride that they do. Um, I can't. The Legends Ride. I think it's called the Legends Ride. Right. Um, but the guy who played—you, you you've seen the Terminator movies? I
4: have.
0: Um, the Liquid Terminator. I guess it was um, Terminator. 2. His last
1: name is Patrick, I believe.
0: Yeah, uh, Robert Patrick.
1: Robert Patrick.
0: Yeah, he was he was there. So I got to see Robert Patrick. That was kind of cool. He's been in a lot of things. So he was in X Files. One of my favorite all time. He has. He's, he's been around a minute. Um, but yeah, that was fun. Really enjoyed that. Uh, but the highlight was meeting you, getting to meet you. And again, thank thanks to Jeremy Gresham there at IWI for the introduction. And uh, that's kind of what's leading to our show today. And uh, John, if you would, tell our listeners who aren't familiar with you, which I'm sure most of them are, a little bit about yourself.
1: I refer to myself as just John. I've been in the industry for a while, uh, was working in law enforcement for 25 years. Of course, I was uh, one of the firearms instructors, the range master, did everything gun related. Uh, At 25 years, got offered a job in the gun industry working for a company called Advanced Armament Corporation, which was the biggest silencer uh, company of the time. Uh, biggest purveyor of silencers to the military law enforcement etc uh so i retired went into the gun business which came as a big shock to everybody
0: um you're being sarcastic right (laughs)
1: Uh, yes uh we did a lot of really cool stuff uh in advanced armament we uh did a little thing. And called 300 Blackout, which there were some questions on your Instagram page about 300 Blackout, which we'll address.
0: My favorite um, round, by the way. Mine, too.
1: Um, I'm, I'm kind of a fan. I and,
0: dig it.
1: And uh, then uh, one day, a friend of mine uh, who worked for SIG said, call this phone number. And uh, they're looking for somebody like you. So uh, I called him up, and now I work for SIG.
0: Now, how long have you been with SIG?
1: a uh, I- Somewhere around eight, eight and a half years, I believe. Gotcha. Um, having a blast uh, doing. Now, I saw on the, uh, I think your stories, uh, you described me as the product manager for suppressors, silencers. Uh, no longer. Um, I actually gave that up about five years ago and went into my true love, uh, especially at SIG, which is training. There you go. And uh, I train folks on all of our products. We do pistols. We do rifles. We do ammunition. We do silencers, of course. Uh, We do air guns. We do optics. We do everything. The only things we don't do in the industry right now are shotguns and revolvers. And if there's a military contract, we'll probably be making revolvers.
0: When are you going to get into (laughs) bows?
1: Well, we aren't doing that yet either. So
0: maybe. Never say never, right?
1: Never, never You never say never, never especially at.
0: It. I apologize for getting your uh, your title wrong. Um,
1: no, it's no problem.
0: I didn't know what how you wanted to to go with that. But so, so my, what's your official title? title, trainer?
1: What's uh, that? Yeah, it's a uh, national commercial sales trainer. Uh, there's uh, about ten sales trainers. There's two of us that are na- nationwide, which really means nothing because we're so busy. Those guys are running just as hard as I am.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine. Um, I've, I've seen some of the events that you've been at, and you're all over the place, no doubt.
1: Well, yeah, you met uh, Angel and Joe while we were mm-hmm. out there at Sturgis as well. I did. Um, I, I have the pleasure to work with some of the best people in the industry. And you know, I tell people all the time that with it, with the exception of me, sick is really good people
0: with the a section <laughs> uh, i think you're the benchmark uh is is where that's Good when that's job. been laid so let's uh let's talk about suppressors and 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 silencers and i don't care what people call them suppressors silencers you know i'm not a a snob when it comes to that but what what do you what's your preference on the na- nomenclature? So
1: when that comes up, what I'll tell people is that the correct name for them is silencer. Uh, silencers were started in 1895 uh, by Hiram Percy Maxim. Hiram Percy Maxim got a uh, patent on March 30th, 1909, uh, for the silent firearm. Uh, when they were regulated in uh, 1934, June 25th, 1934, uh, they were listed as silencers. They are still listed as silencers in federal law. Um, when you buy one, and when you're writing the what it is on the piece of paper, it's a silencer. Uh, suppressor came about because of a guy named Al Paulson. Uh, back in the 80s, he used to write all of the silencer suppressor articles. So it's sort of like, do you drive a car or do you drive an automobile? It's the same thing. Uh, People who usually get wound up about it and do the, uh, it's not a silencer, it's a suppressor. It doesn't make it silent. It just suppresses the sound. Usually when I hear that, I ask them how many suppressors they own.
4: None. (laughs) But
1: you should.
3: Yeah.
1: Right? And uh, that's actually from movies. That's where we get that. There's a lot of uh, why... Everybody thinks of them as evil is because of movies. And we'll touch on that just a little bit. Okay, But there was a movie uh, called Ronin. And in Ronin, one of the things that they said was uh, he sprayed his bullet with Teflon, so it went through my ballistic vest. That's not really how that works. Uh, There was a George Clooney movie called The American where he says, I can make you a suppressor, but I can't make you a silencer furthering the uh, old wives' tale that there's a difference between the two. While we're talking just so we don't upset the internets, uh, I'm going to call them a silencer. I'm going to call them a suppressor. I'm going to call them a can, yep. which is a, a nickname for them because they're can-shaped. Uh, I'm going to use all of those repeatedly.
0: And maybe even muffler, huh?
1: Uh, could be. The, you know, here's another one for you. Uh, Hiram Percy Maxim after 1934 when they ended up uh, temporarily putting his company out of work or out of business, he went to work for the Pope Automobile Company and oh. he invented a thing called the automobile muffler.
0: Ah, well, there you go.
1: What would it sound like today outside if uh, he had not invented a silencer and then adapted it to cars?
0: No, there's no telling. So, so the actual firearm silencer came before the car muffler. It did.
1: Interesting. Again, the, the Maxim Souser company started in 1895 in New York City. New York City? Right. <laughs> and he was from Maine, just so we'll uh, keep it a New England uh, fresh thing.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You guys being up there in New Hampshire. Sig- New sig- Hampshire. Hey, You're not originally from New Hampshire. No, sir. Where, where are you originally from? All over the place? I'm not.
1: Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> um, I grew up as a... Military brat, and I grew up around the world, around the country. If I threw a dart at a map, I will have been there.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna get into more about you yourself. I've got this line of questionings that I ask my new guest, but we're gonna save those for a little bit later. Keeping on the silencer uh, topic here. Um, great history there, by the way, with with Maxim and. Um, um, and that's in the United States, is that correct? That's where all yes. this originated, was in the United States.
4: Correct.
1: Now, his father was Hiram Stevens Maxim. And Hiram Stevens Maxim invented the uh, semi-automatic firearm with a guy named John Moses Browning. Ah. Um, there's a little uh, history there also. All the, in the golden age of inventing, there were a lot of over, overlap. He also made the Maxim machine gun... Which interestingly enough was used by both sides in World War I, by the Germans and by the English. The English won, so Hiram Stevens Maxim was knighted by the Queen, lived out the remainder of his days in England as a knight of the realm from Maine.
0: Wow. Was this the the, the queen that just recently passed away?
1: <laughs> I think it was one before.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm kidding there. But she was old though. Then, I mean she was like a hundred and yeah. something.
1: Damn near. Yes, sir. Uh, there. The other one was Hudson Maxim. Hudson Maxim invented smokeless gunpowder. So if you think about it, we as gun guys owe the Maxim family a lot, even though most of uh, our people wouldn't be able to tell you who did any of these things. That's the family.
0: Wow. That is a, a rich tradition of inventors right there.
1: And if you think about it, they're all involved in the gas that is made when you discharge a firearm.
0: Mm-hmm. That is true. That is true. So let's talk about some the design of and and the theory behind a a silencer. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we know that you know it's meant to reduce the sound uh, that the oh. that the gun makes. Uh, talk about the theory behind it, because I know you're a, you're a big science guy. You're into science and, um, you know, all that, but you're able to bring it down to to my level. You know, so, somebody with... <laughs> well, that's what got us involved.
3: With my so education a
1: there. a firearm silencer uh, is a mechanical device that when added to the end of a firearm's barrel and you discharge the firearm, it's going to slow, cool, and redirect the sound to the point that it is no longer burning and no longer moving at a supersonic rate when it is released by the silencer. And so there are really four noises to shooting a gun if you think about it. Uh, One is going to be the bullet moving through the air. If the the bullet is moving at a supersonic speed, there's going to be a whip-cracking sound-like sound sound, of the bullet going through the, the speed of sound. Uh, there's going to be the bullet impacting whatever your target is. Uh, if you're shooting at a steel gong or you're shooting at a piece of paper or a bur- earthen berm,
2: uh, there's going to be noise
1: associated with the bullet impacting that. Uh, the gun is going to make noise when you fire it. The slide is going to cycle. The uh, bolt is going to come to the rear. It's going to make all of the noises the springs, that it would make. yeah. Yeah, when you're shooting it. Now, if you want to cut down on those noises, you could use a bolt gun, which is a closed system. You could use a a break action rifle, things like that, that uh, don't have a lot of mechanical noise associated with them. But the fourth noise is that when the bullet leaves the end of the barrel, those gases breach the end of the barrel and go into the atmosphere. Even if it's a subsonic projectile, that gas pushing it is moving supersonic, and it is going to enter the atmosphere and create this big boom sound that we hear. And that noise covers all of those other noises. So when I take people to the range, um, depending on how we uh, set up our gun, uh, we can literally hear the paper tear when the projectile hits it. Pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now
1: the So that's that's what it does.
0: Right. Now as far as I guess retarding that <clears throat> because that is a word and it has meaning <laughs> I will use that. It it how do they retard the the sound or reduce the sound uh right. from that and then I know that now there's many different ways but just talk about the basic.
1: So the basics are that uh in your basic silencer there's going to be baffles on the inside and those baffles as the gas hits it now there's a hole right through the middle of it unlike uh the muffler on your car where it goes in sort of a z pattern but there's a uh, hole right through the center of it and as the bullet flies through the uh the silencer or suppressor the expanding gas is going to hit those baffles which is going to slow it down like a, a speed bump in a, uh, a parking lot. Uh-huh. And when it slows that gas down, it's going to hang on to it momentarily to uh, slow it down and so that when it's released, it's no longer going supersonic and no longer burning, which also makes a noise. So those are the basics of how a silencer works. And you've got pictures of baffles up on there.
0: Yeah, this is your basic baffle configuration here. And I guess the more baffles you put in, the more it's going to um, reduce that. The more
1: speed bumps you're going to have in the there. But you know, bumps. we also, when we're talking about silencers, the size of the silencers. So when you come back, you'll see some right here in front of me that are smaller, medium, and larger. And when we do that, by more volume typically means that it's going to be more quieter. So as we can see, the little guy over here, the little guy is not going to be as quiet as the big guy. Now, is it, if, if it was, why would we make the big guy?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And it's volume. It's got to do with it's volume, the, right?
1: It has to do with the volume and it, it's um, like scuba tanks. I was a big scuba guy when um, I have an 80 cubic foot scuba tank and I have a hundred cubic foot scuba tank. The real big difference is the width of the hundred. And if I put 80 cubic, cubic uh, feet of air in both of them I have more room in that larger vessel which means there's lower pressure inside of there and because of that it's going to be easier on it when it's trying for silencers trying to slow cool and redirect the amount of gas that I'm putting in there right uh, this is going to be higher pressure in the little vessel much higher than it would be in a larger vessel like this 300 blackout can here. Make sense?
0: it does. It makes a lot of sense.
1: When it it comes to it, all of our people, they want the little bitty gun, and they want to put the little bitty silencer on it, um, and then they're confused because it doesn't sound like it does in the movies.
0: (laughs) Nothing sounds like they do in the movies.
1: Uh, I can write you a prescription that will make you giggle like a 12-year-old girl. (laughs)
0: Let me hear it. I want to giggle. All
1: right. Uh, I like the uh, 1894 lever guns. It's a closed action. So I'm not going to have any mechanical noise.
0: Got one right there.
1: Got one right back over there. Get a threaded barrel on it uh, for your silencer. You're going to put on, say, a nice 9mm suppressor on the end of it. Uh, I like the 38-357. Use 38. uh, PMC brass makes a 158 grain subsonic 38 special. And it literally will be the quietest thing you ever heard. The only thing you're going to hear is the hammer dropping and the paper tearing.
0: Really, even even quieter than a twenty-two.
1: Yes. Wow. Now another one. Uh, I. That's amazing. With uh, AccuSport, AccuSport has uh, unfortunately left us, but uh, their buyer was a guy named Dave Regula. And one day, I'm at the range with Dave Regula, and one of my guys is firing a 308 rifle between us. We're about three feet apart. The rifle's right between us, and uh, Corey fires the rifle using subsonic ammunition with a uh, three hundred wind mag suppressor on the end of the rifle and Dave goes, Hang fire and I was like, No, it went, I heard it. He's like, No, it didn't go off. I didn't hear it. And I said, Well I heard it tear the paper. And he was like, What? So I opened the action up, pulled out the cartridge case, showed him it was empty, pulled the bolt at it, had him look down the barrel.
0: He didn't believe and it.
1: And put it back together. And then I go, Corey, hit the wood <laughs> post. So he fired it it went click here and went the wonk as it hit the wood post. And Dave was like, and then it became the, the biggest advocate of silencers I've ever seen for a guy, not in the silencer industry.
0: That's all it would take, isn't it?
1: It does. It's one of those things you've got to, it's sort of like motorcycles we're talking about, you know, motorcycles sound like fun, but when you do it, you want to do it forever.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. You know, and, and and this technology comes into play there. You know, we're talking about muffle mufflers and you know things like that. But most of the back guys like theirs to be loud. So,
1: <laughs> yes, loud pipes save lives. I believe is the
0: t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the different um, designs, I guess, um, uh, for the the baffles or mm-hmm. and they're going to have different names as we get into it and, and talking about them. They're not all baffles, but, um, right. let's, let's talk about that. And if you want to use your specific, you know, ones that you have there, that's fine. If sure. you want me to bring something up on the screen to show, I can do that too.
1: Sure. So, uh, depending on the, when, when we get into the types of silencers, if we go to right here, everything on this side, this is all rifle over here. Okay. And uh, there's various calibers, materials, quick disconnect versus uh direct thread. We do all of that. Yeah. And we'll get over into that
0: tomorrow. too. I want to talk about, you know, the connectivity yep. and all that. Uh, kind of as a separate, yeah. as a separate yep. topic, but what then John's doing for our got- listening audience is he's got uh, several can suppressor silencers in front of him um, that he's talking about here. So uh, if you're not watching on the, the video and you're just listening, go ahead. You should be. You should.
1: Uh, be. These two over here are going to be our handgun suppressors. This is uh, a 45. Uh, our, our beloved forty five and then there is the nine millimeter. Uh, on the end over here, I have a twenty two long rifle. Uh, there is also a company who makes a shotgun uh, suppressor. They make a shotgun suppressor. Yeah, I know uh, one.
0: Um, Acolus Defense makes uh, makes one for the Keltec KSG. Uh,
1: there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we do not make a, a shotgun suppressor. Uh, When it comes to, what's
0: that? I said at the moment.
1: At the moment. You never know. Uh, In rifle, in 2005, I came up with a concept uh, that was you could use a larger silencer on a smaller round. And the way that came about was I was using an Advanced Armament Corporation uh, M4-2000 in 6.8 SPC the hole through the middle of it was larger than a 5.56 suppressor. Mm -hmm. And we got to thinking about, well, what if I take this 6.8 suppressor and I put it on the 5.56 rifle, what is the pain penalty? What is the amount of sound difference between the two of those? Mm -hmm. And what we found out was in that particular case, there was absolutely no sound difference between using a 6.8 suppressor on a 5.56 or the 5.56 suppressor on the 5.56. So that got me thinking, okay, well what would be the pain penalty of using a 308 on a 556? And you can hear this the the sound difference typically. Mm. Now, something I need to say about sound is depending on your temperature, your altitude, your humidity, the can can sound different one day to the next. And uh, whenever I would bring out a, a older can and a newer can, and people go, let me hear how much quieter the uh, the newer one is than the older one. I would always inside of me going, oh, here we go. I know <laughs> it's it, they're not going to be able to hear a difference today, but, but if I brought them back out on Wednesday, um, there's going to be a big difference. Yeah. So I can show you where the difference is on a meter, but to the human ear, it can be challenging. Some days, again, depending on the atmosphere, temperature, humidity, things like that.
3: Yeah. Now you
0: were talking. Um, but, um, the specific caliber of silencers, uh, that you have there. And that's all due to the diameter of, uh, the hole down the middle, just the like, a, middle. just like your barrel, uh, exactly. you know, your barrels are made to shoot specific rounds. Right. Um, but with, but with the cans, you found that with the larger cans, as long as it's a smaller round, then you can still shoot it through there.
1: I can, and again, some days I'm going to hear more sound than I would others. But uh, typically, I can hear the difference between a 308, 300 Win Mag suppressor and a 5.56 suppressor on um, the same gun. I will hear a little bit of difference. Yeah. But uh, when I was doing that, I would say, okay.
0: And would it be louder with out, the the larger caliber louder, can?
1: You'd hear the difference. It would be a little bit louder than using a 5.56 specific suppressor. On the gun than doing the 308. But I would tell people, okay, well, if you owned a 308 and you knew there was that difference, would you buy another can and spend another thousand dollars and wait for another tax stamp to uh, come in, or would you just shoot the 308 on the 556? And then it became very popular to do that. Um, again, I could shoot nine millimeter with my nine millimeter, but if I got my 45, I could shoot nine, 40 pretty much everything in handgun up to 45. Now, is there going to be a little bit of a sound difference? Yeah, typically there is, but I get more versatility and I don't have to spend as much money. And my boss at the time hated when I would tell people that. (laughs) Because they wanted to sell more suppressors. Yeah. He wants to make, yeah, he wants to make more monies and he would stand in the back of the room. And when I would talk about that, he would uh, go, yeah, why is that John? I said, because I'm cheap. You know, I, uh, (laughs) decided that I would try using this for pretty much everything. And in a 300 Win Mag can, I can do 300 Win Mag, 308, 300 Blackout, my 223, my .30-06. It'll cover most of the products so that you're going to shoot, all the way down to 204 Ruger. Now, where I put a warning in there is don't try getting crazy. Um, Rifles should be with rifle. By rifle, I mean rifle caliber, not a AR pistol, pistol. Therefore, I could use a pistol. No. It's what caliber are you using? If you're using a rifle caliber, stay in the rifle suppressor range. That's right. Um, but 22, same. Stay so 22. with rim fire for rim fire. You can get away with three, but there are some companies out there uh, I fundamentally disagree with to do the one can to rule them all. You can use it on 22 long rifle to 50 caliber BMG. Be careful.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard of one of those yet.
3: Um,
1: yeah, they're out probably there. Probably a reason. Yeah, usually made by a smaller company.
0: Yeah. Now you the know. here's the thing. You know, you talk about science and and all that. You know, I would think that that you're talking about the 308 shooting it a 556 to the 308, and it's a little louder using the 308 can. You got more volume there, so I would think that it it would be quieter, but that's not the case. Well.
1: I've got a larger ocular through the suppressor as we can see there we've got the hole in the end of it and we've got more room around the projectile for gas to follow it out the door
3: Ah, there's you know, think of it like key.
1: this if uh i'm in my house and i have all the the doors and windows shut and i open my front door and i've got a loud stereo going on you'll get some of that sound out through the front door yeah. but if i go into the garage and i roll the garage door up and i play the music at the same level more sound is going to get out because there's more room for it to get out. Does that yeah, make sense?
0: It does. And does does it um, affect the speed of the, the 5.56 shooting it through the 308 can versus the specific um, 5.56 can?
1: You uh, ask a very good question. And uh, one thing that most people don't realize because of Call of Duty and <laughs> video games, is that when you put a silencer onto a firearm, it is going to increase the velocity of your projectile every time. Now, the reason for that, everybody does the, well, that's not what it said on Call of Duty. Well, I know. But in, on Call of Duty, there's got to be a, a negative to having a silencer on your gun. Yeah. So it makes your round less effective. Another thing it does, it makes it more inaccurate. When in reality, a well-made silencer properly installed on a well-made firearm will actually cut your groups about in half. Now, I get people who go, well, that's not possible, and they pull out their wallet, and they pull a a group out of their wallet, and they go, my gun will do this, and one one ragged hole at 100 yards. And I go, well, (laughs) yeah, it can, but you probably have a, a picture of your wife in your wallet too, and she don't look like that either. Now, at 100 yards... Yes, any of us can make a one-hole group with the gun that we've done, we've set it in, et cetera, but do that at 300 yards, do that at 500, do that at 1,000, and that's where you'll see that your gun is going to shoot a tighter group with your suppressor on it. So we've got increased velocity, we've got uh, better accuracy, it's going to cut the recoil of the firearm by about 40 to 50%, so shooting a three oh eight on uh with a suppressor on it feels more like shooting a 223 a 223 feels like basically like nothing yeah. and if you shot 300 blackout subsonic with a can on it number one the the sound is amazing but also it there's r- no recoil whatsoever mm-hmm. that's so smooth and yeah because we're re- we're taking away about 40 percent of that recoil and the first time you shoot 300 blackout supersonic Without a silencer on it, you'll be like, "Oh, hey, that's gonna kind of stiff," yeah. Because you're so yeah. used to shooting it with the silencer on there.
0: And and I'm gonna go back to my my question on yeah. so if I'm shooting a 5.56 through a three oh eight, a can designed for three mm-hmm. <clears throat> Will no, that I
1: still see an increase in velocity?
0: I'll have it, but it won't be as as fast as if I'm shooting it through the 5.56 specific can. Is that, is that right? I'm just asking.
1: Yeah. And we should also say why that happens. Why do I get an increase in velocity? The increase in the velocity is because remember I said, I'm trapping the gas inside the suppressor. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, I'm adding fake barrel length to the end of the gun. So the gas can still push on that projectile longer Because once the bullet leaves the barrel, the gas can't push on that bullet anymore. Now, you're not going to see 200 feet per second increase in velocity. It will typically be within the uh, standard deviation of the round, just on the higher side. So it may be 5 feet per second. It may be 20 feet per second. But the point is, it's not going to decrease the velocity of the round.
3: Yeah. And
1: when you've got that uh, tighter bore on it, it can have more effect. To
0: answer your question, yes, yep, and, that, and that's what I was saying with the the tighter, yeah, the tighter bore on the five because five, it's specifically designed for that. Uh, as you were saying earlier, you know, if it's bigger, then you got more gas that's escaped. that it's that escape. But correct, if, if it's tighter, it's like a shooting a Nerf ball, you know, one of those those ner- the suction from the Nerf ball. If if it's too big, mm-hmm. you can't get the the you know the suction to pop, pop it out there.
1: Right to get that gas behind it to uh, propel it forward.
3: Right, exactly. Uh, It
1: also works for night vision. Whenever I talk about night vision, everybody thinks we're we're seeing green and everything else. But it helps your natural night vision as well. So one of the the bigger things that we have done in the suppressor game is prior to 2010, and 2010 is a very important year. We're going to come back to that year. But before 2010, there were only... A few states that you could actually game hunt in the United States. Yeah. Uh, currently, there are forty-two states you can own and use silencers, uh, but there's only forty-one states that you can hunt with silencers. Connecticut allows you to have them, but it doesn't allow you to hunt in Connecticut. Right. But all the other states that you can own it, you can hunt in it, game hunt.
0: And I was, I mean, I was trying to read through Tennessee's law to see if because. The, they used to not allow you to hunt with a, a silencer, but I think what I was reading, it's it sounds to me like they've it says as long as you've got the federal license, mm-hmm. which that's the tax stamp, right? That's what they mean it when is. they say that. So they mean
1: that what they mean is you have paid your tax. Now, Tennessee yeah. just recently made some uh, changes to their laws.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you could hunt in, in Tennessee previously. Uh, it's sort of a misnomer that you could not, and they just allowed it. You could hunt previously, uh, but they did make some clarification changes to the laws in Tennessee.
3: Yeah,
0: they were confusing. Um, right. so, uh, but what I was reading through, that, that's what it says. As long as you've got the, they call it the federal license. And you've got that on you, then you can you can hunt with a, a silencer. So, guess who's going to be hunting with a silencer in Tennessee this year?
1: As well, you should, and now hopefully everybody <laughs> in Tennessee.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but they still don't allow um, night vision, so can't mm-hmm. use thermal, can't use night vision,
1: lasers, any of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, so the lasers. Large yeah, but
1: states are different. Uh, like in Pennsylvania, you can use a silencer, but you cannot hunt with a semi automatic firearm, so you need to know what your laws are in the state you 're going to hunt in
0: yeah it's backwards you know the backwards laws that need to be updated and you know texas that 's why I like going to Texas and hunt because you can use all though <laughs> you can use the the thermals the night vision the silencers and
1: and i 've done that a lot
0: yeah i I do too I like going down there. Uh, and, like you say, when now, you eradicate the 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 pests, we're not hunting, we're, not hunting, we're, we're eradicating. eradicating, yes,
1: yes we're we're being good for the environment.
0: I love to eradicate
1: uh, <laughs> one of the weirdest laws uh, Washington state had a law you could own a silencer. you could mount it on your gun, but it was illegal to discharge your firearm with the silencer on it.
0: <laughs> What's the purpose? Yeah.
1: Welcome to Washington, but we got that changed. You can now shoot with your uh, silencer. Uh, There's a group called the American Suppressor Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're they're literally out there fighting every day. Uh, Since 2010, uh, we've changed laws across the country, went from about 26 up to now 42 states you can own them, 41 you can hunt. Uh, The latest one that you can hunt in is Vermont. We uh, got Vermont several years ago nice. legalized to own, but you could only use it at the range. Mm-hmm. There was no ranges in Vermont. Most places I shot were cow pastures, uh, but you could not hunt with it. Now you can.
0: Now, now you said you're in New Hampshire.
1: Currently, I'm in New
0: Hampshire. So uh, our buddy Ken Allen with Ken Allen Training. I don't know if you are you familiar with Ken Allen. I am okay. They just had their um, Kalashtober event up there this this past weekend. Yes, and, and did you were any of you guys there? Did you guys attend that?
1: I did not. Uh, I was in another state, but uh, okay, I had not been to that event.
3: Okay,
0: yeah, I haven't been yet either. I was really hoping I would make it this year, but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. Big shout out to uh, Ken Allen. Ken Allen training, good guy, uh, yep. super good guy. He's been on the show several times. Smart dude too. Very, very, very smart and. Uh, I appreciate him uh, throwing up the talking lead banner up there at that event, representing the Leadhead Brigade. So, thank you, Ken. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, so, the we we've talked about kind of the how a suppressor works. There, let's let's get into the like the baffles and the different designs that that sure. people go to make that happen. So,
1: there's since uh, the early days, eighteen ninety-five. Pretty much silencers have been baffle oriented and meaning that uh, there's baffles inside. I mean, you threw some pictures up there of all the different baffles. There are M baffles. There are K baffles. Most people have heard of a a K baffle. And the name for those comes from the way that it's shaped. A K baffle, if you looked at it on its side, cut in half, it kind of looked like a teacup in a saucer. Uh, an M baffle looks like an M. The uh, the baffle itself, by the way, the R22 can has M baffles on the inside. One of the cool things about that is I have a titanium tube on the outside. I have 17/4 baffles on the inside of the suppressor. They're shaped like an M so that they seal the baffles together and they create a wall internally inside of the tube to give you a steel wall inside the suppressor and then the titanium tube on the outside to give you a little bit more strength to it. We're a K-baffle because as the uh, side of the K is against the wall of the tube, you've got uh, no extra steel inside of there covering that tube. I hope that makes sense.
0: Makes a weak point, kind of. It can. Yeah,
1: um, where the M is just going to be stronger because it creates an internal tube inside the tube.
0: A tube and a tube.
1: Like an
3: yeah.
0: And I pulled up for our video, I pulled up some different baffle designs. Um, right. you got this. the so, stacks. Yep.
1: Yeah. So if you move your cursor a little bit to the left, that's more of a K baffle right there where you can see that there are spaces where once they're inside the tube, it's exposed to the tube. The gas is exposed to the tube. Mm -hmm. One of the bad things about that is that we carbon up the inside of that tube where those blank spaces are, so it can be harder to get your baffles out of the tube to clean them. Does that make sense?
0: Yep, that makes sense.
1: Uh, Below that one, you have what's called a monocore. A monocore is a piece of... Uh, material, uh, uh, column of metal, and then we're just going to hog out all the places that we want to to create the design. Nope, I'm sorry, I thought that was a, uh, no one, it is not, but we can see go straight there or the one below it. As you can see, all the different spaces in there, that's referred to as a monocore, which is just a one piece of metal that slides inside the tube. Now some of the things that we have done at SIG, we've been making silencers for the consumer market since 2014. Uh, We brought uh, them to the 2015 SHOT Show. Uh, Everybody in the industry would come by the booth to see if they were for real. What are we doing? SIG's a gun company. Why are they getting into the suppressor market? Uh, and I explained everything. We I threw our skirt up and showed them everything. <laughs> and uh, we've got uh, where we put the serial number so that if you were to have a round go through the side wall of the suppressor, we could fix it. But ATF says you cannot fix or replace a tube. So what, how did we fix that? We did away with the tube. We don't have a tube. Um, even on these that we are currently making there's really no tube this is all one piece Uh, there's a line on the outside here as long as the damage occurs north of that I can replace it and fix it so where we put the serial number Uh, the fact that we didn't have a tube very very unique at the time Uh, There was many things that we were doing that was very unique in the industry and I stood up in front of all of them and said one day, all suppressors will be made like this. And today, a good portion, of every larger company is going to have uh, some of that technology in their line, where they put the serial number, the fact that they now have uh, baffles that are welded together and they don't need a tube over the outside. Having a tube is like wearing suspenders and a belt. We didn't need it, so why have it? Why add to the girth? Why add to the weight? hmm We were the first ones to do that. Today, every company, every legitimate company out there has that technology in their lineup. So we've moved on to what we're doing today.
0: Now the the serial number, you bring up a good um, topic there. And it's up to each individual manufacturer, correct, on where they put that and where, where they put it, then that becomes the serialized portion of it. So it's kind of strategic I guess for a manufacturer so. on where they where they place that serial number.
1: Very much so, but if, again if you've got a tube over the outside and somebody punches a hole through the tube, you can't fix the tube according to ATF regulations. You guy just can't create a new tube, put a serial number on it and then send it out to the consumer. That would be illegal.
3: Yeah,
0: because that's the serialized part at that point and you're right. getting a whole nother you need another tax stamp. You'd have to, do right? A, be but like because I don't suppressor.
1: have a tube, I can cut this off, and then keep the serial number where it's at, and just add uh, a new core to it. Add a new core to it.
0: Yeah, and that and that's smart. And do you think that they're gonna they're gonna catch on to that and eventually come up with some sort of bullshit law? There was
1: to... a, a move a couple of years ago where they got all uh, uppity about where the serial number goes on the suppressor, and it really amounted to nothing. Yeah. Um, again, it's, we're just trying to do customer service.
0: No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it's, it's manufacturers and, you know, people trying to come up with ways that when these stupid laws get put into place is like, okay, well, we can do like this now, the but they call it loopholes. You know, they call yeah. it loopholes. It's not, it's no loophole. It's, it's not. Just...
1: If you dented the fender on your, uh, pickup truck, and I'm sure you have at some point, <laughs> yeah. if, uh, the, yeah. the uh, the car police came and said, you can't replace your fender. You have to keep it the way it is.
0: Or that buy a whole new truck up. or buy a whole, you yeah, can't fix buy a whole it.
1: new truck now yeah. because you, you dented the fender.
0: Yeah. It doesn't affect the, it's like, I just replaced that and you know, I'm good to go. But you know, I'm you
1: not making it bigger. I'm not making it nope, quieter. Still or runs.
0: Yeah. Stupidness. You know, again, it gets into these, these people who don't know about what they're making laws for. They don't understand it. They don't know it. They've never seen one, never touched one. Uh, Remember,
1: uh, for the longest time suppressors, and I was going to talk a little bit about this were evil yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, why suppressors were evil. And I'll tell you that when I bought my first silencer, um, my mom cried.
0: Well, are you and serious? She
1: I was, yes, I am. She, uh, she thought I was going to be a bad person because I had bought a silencer. That sounds like you know, my mom. <laughs> you know, and basically what it comes down to is back in the early days, um, the way you could tell a good guy from a bad guy was the hat he was wearing. You know, if he was wearing a black hat, he was a bad guy. If he was wearing a white hat, he was the good guy. Well, when hats fell out of fashion and nobody was wearing hats anymore, if you weren't doing a period piece like a cowboy and Indian movie and you were doing a murder mystery that was in today's date, you really, if once nobody was wearing hats, you couldn't use that as an indicator for who was the bad guy. So they had to have some sort of indicator that, oh, my God, it's Bill. He's the bad guy. So he'd come out skulking from behind the curtain with a revolver with a silencer on it.
0: Yeah, and he that's how an, you
1: knew he was the bad guy. He
0: was an assassin. That's all it was. And they always that's assassins, right. always assassins using them. The it's James Bond movies, you know.
1: Here's a trivia question for you. Between 1895, when the doors of the Maxim Silencer Company opened up, to 1934, how many crimes have been committed with a silencer?
0: Total. Probably none. One. One?
1: There was one. a contract homicide in New York, New York City in 1915. Uh, it was two bodegas on the same block, uh, little stores, and one of them put a hit out on the other one and had him killed Using a Remington 03A3 rifle with a Maxim 03A3 silencer. Completely the, the number of crimes with silencers between 1895 to 1934. Now, in 1934, we were they were trying to do the NFA, the National mm-hmm. Firearms Act, and the reason was police were saying we're being outgunned by the bad guys. There had been the St. Valentine's Day massacre. There was Bonnie and Clyde, Pretty Boy Floyd, Machine Gun Kelly. They're running around robbing banks and trains and uh,
4: the National Guard
1: armories taking machine guns. The so we need to yeah. something about this. And suppressors weren't even on the legislation until the very end. And you know why? If there's only one crime, why did we put suppressors on the NFA? Ignorance. Yes, but... <laughs> uh, We were in the middle of the Great Depression,
0: Mm. and
1: during the Great Depression, they were afraid that you were going to go out on the king's land and kill the king's deer, or you would go on to a farmer's property and and kill a cow, and that the farmer or the uh, government people would not be able to hear you harvesting these animals to feed your family. So it was the theoretical crime of poaching. Ah,
0: I did not realize that.
1: And that's why I remember back when I said most states you could not hunt in. Yeah. That was why these states made laws against hunting with silencers because they were afraid of poachers. And then we had to come in later and go, look, silencers are not going to make poachers any more deadly. Poachers going to poach. Yeah. Nobody likes it. Um, Man's got to eat, you know. <laughs> right. So that's why silencers were on the NFA. That's why there was a $200 tax. Another little trivia thing for you: mm-hmm. Where did they come up with the two hundred dollar tax?
0: Uh, it was a, per- I think it was a percentage or something like that that they felt that would put it cost prohibitive at the time.
1: So it is cost prohibitive, but uh, as it turns out, there was after prohibition they said in prohibition that you could not take something that was legal to purchase on Monday and make it illegal on Tuesday. I wish we still had these sorts of uh, judges on the Supreme Court. But uh, what they did say was, while you can't make it illegal because it was legal previously, you can tax it. And that's where we get the tax on cigarettes. Mm. That's where we get the tax on alcohol. And what they said was you can tax it, but the tax cannot be more than the most expensive thing covered by that tax. And in 1934, A Thompson submachine gun cost
0: how much? $2,000. $200. $200.
1: (laughs) So that's why we have a $200 tax on the NFA. You would buy a $200 Thompson, you'd have to pay $200 for the tax. A silencer would cost you $3.25, but you had to pay a $200 tax on it. Now, $200 in 1934 was a lot of money.
3: Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's like
1: $2,000. And one of your questions from Instagram was, how do we justify the $200 today? $200 today is not that much. A nice coat will cost you more than $200. Taking your girlfriend out to dinner is going to cost you more than $200. Taking your wife out to dinner is going to cost you like, you can take her out like four times. (laughs) Wives hate it when I say that.
0: Well, not since inflation, but um. (laughs) yeah. Right. So,
1: yeah, $200 is a lot less prohibitive today than it was. It
0: is, and they've considered that, too, and they've considered increasing that. um,
1: Yeah, we get that that rumor all the time. You hear that. uh, They're going to increase. Every year somebody comes up on the Internet, even prior to the Internet, that Congress is going to increase the amount that the tax is. I'm not real scared because it's an existing law. They have to have a large percentage of Congress to agree, and those guys can't agree on what's for lunch today.
0: But it's also illegal for them to tax a right. So not kidding. And the taxes are illegal.
1: Uh, <laughs> according to them, this is a firearm, even though there's nothing inside of it. Exactly. If I handed you a round of ammunition and a silencer, you could not make it go off. Right. And uh, I have a lot of funny TSA stories. One time, uh, TSA wanted to look at one of them, holds it up to his eye, and says, "It's unloaded." And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> stop doing that. That's how you get pink eye."
0: <laughs> yeah. You'll put your eye out with that thing, son
1: You're, You'll put your eye out with it
0: Or I will um, But no, it's it's illegal So th- the tax that they have on these is, is illegal anyway It's an illegal tax and it should not be
1: I do not disagree and We're working very closely with the American Suppressor Association Who for many years now You can put in bills every two years Has put in the Hearing Protection Act To do away with the uh, silencers being on the nfa take them off the NFA, uh, yeah, and they will continue to do so please support the american suppressor association you can uh, join as a member there and uh, support them they're they're literally doing our work for us if you live in a state that previously ohio that uh, you could not own a suppressor and suddenly you could it just didn't happen the good folks from the american suppressor association were over there doing demos for your legislatures, giving them uh, wording, getting it so that you can do it. And there are still eight states that cannot. Do you still have me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, There are still eight states that we have not gotten citizens the right to own suppressors in. And the ASA has a a program called No State Left Behind. And we've come very close in a couple of those states that would surprise you if I told you what states they were I'll leave it up to them to do that on their Instagram or how are they going to get a hold of you but uh, we've come very close in two of those eight states to getting it passed but as it turns out some politicians are not truthful
0: oh really yeah you it's, never it's thought the that. Rumor. so I've got their their website pulled up here the, the ASA for our video audience it's uh, americansuppressorassociation.com is where you can go and get all the information there. And they probably got the states on here somewhere. Um,
1: They do. And when it comes down to it, 42 states that you can own, eight that you can't, those eight are the typical states that uh, don't like guns anyway. California, New York, New Jersey, Hawaii, Rhode Island. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about that. Uh, There's a show that uh, we used to do at Advanced Armament called the Great American Outdoor Show. It is the longest trade show done every year. It's nine days long. And I would have a big map on the back of my booth where you could legally own suppressors. And I'd have people come up and they'd look at the map where they're from. They get this big grin on their face and like, I can own that? Yes. Then I get people who they look at the map, they cock their head like a cocker spaniel and (laughs) they come up confused and I go, so you're from Maryland. And they go, yeah. How did you know that? I said, you have the look of somebody from Maryland who just learned they can have a suppressor. I'm told it's easier to own a suppressor in Maryland than it is to own a gun for your suppressor.
0: <laughs> I don't doubt it. I have no, have uh, no doubt about that at all. I think I might be looking at the states here. One, two, right. three, four, five, six, seven.
3: No,
1: and so that's probably giving us updates on uh, the legality and what's going on in those different states because I see Virginia and Virginia is a state you can
4: own them.
3: Okay,
1: so like uh, Connecticut, you can own, Illinois, you cannot. Maine, we just got uh, uh, hunting in Maine. Previously, you had to have a permit, you don't have to have a permit now. Uh, Massachusetts, you cannot own them unless you have an FFL and an SOT. New York, Rhode Island, both those you cannot.
0: And let's see, there's Vermont. Vermont,
1: you can. Virginia, you can. Washington, you can. This is just updates on different uh, laws in the different states. And
0: like Guam, they've got Guam on here. Right. (laughs) So there you go. So keep up with the, the latest on what's going on there. And what... What is the latest that you've that you've heard as far as any traction with getting? And I don't is the Hearing Protection Act still in play, or is there something new going on?
1: It is uh, again the the American Expressor Association puts that legislation in every year to uh, try to get it through, and all you know we got to get lucky, but unfortunately uh, we're fighting everybody else.
0: And since you know, since these politicians like to compare all these other gun laws to other, you know, other countries and how great they are for taking away their, their citizens' rights uh, for self-defense. Uh, in a lot of those, it's actually a law that you have to have a suppressor. So <laughs> you have to own a silencer. Europe,
1: there are, I think it's 49 countries in Europe. Of those, you can only own suppressors in 12 of those countries. Typically, it is as hard to get a suppressor as it is to get a gun. So if I told you that in England you can own a suppressor, you would say, well, it's really hard to get a gun in England, and you'd be correct. Mm -hmm. It's the same process to get it there. Ireland, same thing. Uh, Germany, Italy, uh, Sweden just changed their laws there to where you don't have to have any special licensing. You just have to be able to prove that you own a gun in that particular caliber to own a silencer for it. Of the European countries, there are only two that you could own them, uh, just go down to the hardware store and buy them. And that was the Ukraine, of all things, and Poland. And uh, New Zealand, prior to the Christchurch shooting, you could literally walk into a department store or a hardware store and buy a silencer right in a blister pack on the counter. But they have done away with that as they did with guns.
0: Yeah. And why do you think that is? Because they like, had a bad shooting, and
1: uh, they're very politically correct in New Zealand.
0: And uh, a silencer wasn't even part it was of Not it. even
1: used, but it was, it was a uh, it. anything to do with firearms. You know, In New Zealand, it used to be that if you wanted to collect uh, silencers, like you wanted to collect slings, you wanted to have the largest sling collection in New Zealand. Same thing with uh, silencers. You could have all of them you wanted. And, uh, just walk in, buy it, cost you $30, and uh, take it home. Yeah. You know, and. This is a safety item. You know, this, why we have these is because of our hearing. Now, I'm sure unlike you, I I have bad hearing. Um, You probably have perfect hearing. What? Yeah, exactly. The the hunter's salute. What? We all do that. Yeah. Um, This is a safety device. It'd be like trying to make mufflers on cars illegal. It'd, It'd be ludicrous. Why would you do that? Why would you require a $200 tax on a muffler for a car? And if it fell off, you'd have to pay the two hundred dollars again to put it on. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And for firearm silencers, it's the same thing.
0: Mm. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. You know, a lot a lot of these laws they don't they don't make sense and they don't weren't they weren't meant to. I guess they're they're made to to make it more difficult, more um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Where you just you just like it's not worth prohibit. It's not worth the effort, kind of deal, you know. Mm. It's like, and I hear it.
1: that all the time. People go, "Well, if it wasn't for the tax, or it wasn't because of the weight, if it wasn't because of this, I would do it." Probably not.
0: Yeah. Well, it does, and especially for people, you know, if you buy the the silencer and then you have to pay another two hundred dollars, it's, you know, it's tough because that, that's Fine. disposable for the most part. It's disposable income for for a lot of people, and. It is. But luckily
1: it's uh, only $200. And like I said, I've, I've spent more than $200 on something dumber than that this week.
3: Well, yeah. But, you know,
1: we talked earlier about poaching. You showed off your, your great uh, crossbow back there. Yeah. If we were going to poach and you didn't want to make a lot of noise. I
0: just use that. Would
1: you use a, a gun with a silencer on it? Would you use a bow or a, a crossbow? Yeah. You know, logic does not count.
0: Well, I'm waiting for them to come after those next. Crossbows and you, bows, never, you know.
4: Yeah, Poaching but, uh, That's a good that no. was a
0: good um a good fact there that you did with the poaching. Was, I was I never knew that. Or maybe I did, yeah. I just forgot about it. But uh yeah. Right. So um that brings us to you know and you did one there, but uh, I'm sure you've probably got others. We've got a segment we call Facts to Fight the Myth, John. And what's probably the most common myth associated with silencers that you deal with day in and day out well
1: and i've I've been fighting these you know very hard since about 2010 i actually have a youtube video for sig on myths like uh i will still occasionally hear um well if you buy a silencer that gives the uh, police the right to come and search your house anytime they want that was actually gospel according to gun guys back before 2010 and we jumped up and down about it you know, owning owning a product and paying the tax to own the product does not give up any of your fourth amendment rights they still need a warrant if they want Illegal to do that and search i've owned and silencers and machine guns and short barrel rifles and short barrel shotguns uh grenade launchers since 1984 I've never had the ATF come to my house, not even for dinner.
0: Well, have you heard the stories of of people that the police have come to their doors because they bought, you know, suspicious purchases of firearms?
1: Yes. Um, I also heard one where they went to this guy's house because he bought a lot of oil filters. I,
0: that was the, like, the next thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, I've heard that yeah. several times.
1: And he actually on video took him into his garage and he has a small cottage industry of doing oil changes for diesel trucks. And that's why he, and he says, I have silencers in the house. If I was going to do it, I have already have silencers, but this is a legitimate purpose for doing this.
0: Yeah. He bought, um, I guess it flagged somebody to turn him in because he bought too many, um, oil filters, filters, oil filters. And for those who don't know, um, those can be put on a gun and and used but as it's a as silly, a, yeah, it's stupid. You
1: better you have better choices.
0: But that's the thing too is if somebody wanted one and and they've made it prohibited, you can make one out of all kinds of different materials and you know different different things. But the fact that they just because he legally he had he legally purchased these oil cans, but yet the police came out. And I think they had a warrant to search. Also, I don't recall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But he's like, yeah, you know, I modify these trucks, and these are the oil filters that I use to to get the performance. And um, mm-hmm. but that's that's ridiculous that they do that, and the fact that because somebody made, you know, multiple gun, bought several guns, and then the police came out, and you know, for that, that's it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm.
1: Agree. Now, that's where you get into these uh, red
0: flag laws. But again, that's politics. We're not going to talk politics right right now. So, right. Um, I keep mentioning
1: 2010, so let me address 2010.
0: 2010. So
1: in 2010, I took offense to the fact that 95% of the people who could own the products that we made, the legal products that we made, thought it was illegal to own them. Imagine that, that uh, if you owned a McDonald's and everybody thought that hamburgers were illegal. Um, this this is a consumer product. You can own it. You just have to pay the tax on it. It's not that not that big a deal. Yeah. So uh, we in the industry really started beating the drum on, yes, you can own them. We got uh, put out videos. We started doing uh, rallies. We did uh, shooting parties. We doing everything we could to uh, let people know the truth yeah. about yes, you can own them, etc. Between 1934, when the NFA was uh, instituted, and 2010, there were only 285,000 silencers in commerce, meaning that your dad or your granddad owned one. It was one of 285,000 silencers that had gone through the system and been purchased legally. And in 2010, we got distribution involved. We, I would go out to distributor shows sit in front of hundreds of dealers and explain to them that they could sell these. How, how do they do it? They don't have to have a different FFL the whole bit. And we started seeing it rise mm-hmm. and I uh, keep a good slide in my presentation where you just see all of the, uh, the sales of suppressors rising and rising and rising and between 1934, to 2010, 285,000, a little over a quarter million. We are now, since 2010 to now, we have added about $2.75 million wow. to the ownership logs. And now it's nothing to watch a YouTube video or a hunting TV show or what was the, uh, what's the TV show on mainstream TV about living in Alaska. And uh, one of their guys is out hunting for food with a saw on the end of his gun. You know, that would have never happened prior to 2010.
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. So we're seeing an increase. Um, when the, in the, the Hearing Protection Act, and I remember like two or three years ago where it seemed like we, we really thought it was going to go through and it was going to get passed. And I remember talking to a lot of people and they're like, well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to buy one until this goes through. Cause I don't want to pay that. And I was like, "Go ahead and buy one. Buy them now, because no, if you wait, if I that go goes ahead. through, you're not going to be able to find one for one. You know, they're they're not going to be able to keep up with the demand at the time. It'll take them a while to get caught up."
1: Exactly. Yep. Um. So, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the sig offerings now on the yeah. Instagram. People want to know what the materials were. Do we offer direct thread QD? So uh, we make silencers out of titanium and also a material called Inconel. Inconel is a high nickel steel alloy that's used a lot in the aerospace industry. Mm -hmm. Jet uh, airliner impellers in the motor are made of Inconel. Uh, About half of the space shuttle engine was made out of Inconel. Uh, Things that are high temperature, high wear, things like that are made out of Inconel or Stellite. Stellite was used for Piping in um, nuclear power facilities so you can pump all that water out of there. What were
0: the re-entry um, panels made of for the shuttle when it came in?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, the, uh, so things you don't want to break or melt were made of inconel or stellite. And that's what's used as a standard material in the industry for the better manufacturers out there. Um there's no rules that say you can't use like 304 stainless, which is uh what you make Chinese forks out of that you buy at Walmart. Um <laughs> it's just not gonna last as long. Um seventeen four is a good material. The baffles in R22 are made of seventeen four stainless because we're using stainless instead of aluminum. Um, I can make the parts thinner so they don't weigh that much more, Mm -hmm. but you get greater durability out of it. Um, Quick disconnect or direct thread. Now, direct thread means that I take my flash hider off if I've got an AR or if I've got a threaded barrel on my hunting rifle. I have the bare threads. I just wind the silencer onto that and good to go. Um, In QD... Basically, I've got a locking system on here. I let this go around about a time and a half, and this mounts onto my firearm. That is a muzzle brake. We also make flash hiders. When you buy a a suppressor from SIG, it's going to come with everything you need to mount it onto your firearm. We don't try to nickel and dime you to death because, oh, you bought a suppressor. Uh, Do you want to put it on your gun? Well, you've got to buy this muzzle device for $100. We don't do that. It's going to come in the box for you. And all I'm going to do is wind it on my gun, turn the uh, the collar in the rear, and it's going to lock onto the gun. Um, your choice there. Uh, I will say that we talked about using different calibers. If you're going to use a 30 caliber silencer on your 5.56, 223 rifle, and it's going to be – I would recommend QD because you'll be able to buy – a half 28 muzzle device as an accessory, but your 30 caliber can is going to come out with a 5H 24, which will fit most of your hunting rifles, your AR 10. But I need another one that's half 28 from, which is standard thread pitch on my ARs. And therefore I can mount this can on the other gun.
0: Are yours proprietary?
1: Oh, everybody's is proprietary. Proprietary.
3: Yeah.
1: I can't say the word proprietary very well. (laughs) Um, With our mounting system, there's a lot of different mounting systems out there. The mounting systems are typically the weak side of the equation. Um, I just saw a video by uh, some former SEALs on YouTube where they're shooting our can, and then once it cools, they go take it off, and it came off, and they were stunned because they had used cans in the military that if you shot more than 20 rounds, you couldn't get the can off of the gun. Yeah. Um, with ours, we've fired up to 5,000 rounds and able to get the uh, – the siles are off of the gun. Of
0: course, I used a a glove. (laughs) You need to
1: remember that your muffler on your car gets hot too.
0: Yeah, they get really hot. Right?
1: So we've got QD, we've got direct thread, we've got titanium, we've got Inconel, we've got different sizes. Of those
0: materials, which one is a better heat dissipator?
1: So titanium heats up quicker, but it also loses heat quicker. Uh, Steel tends to hold temperature a little bit longer than titanium does. And why would you use titanium or why would you use steel? Uh, with titanium, the, mar- the uh, magic of titanium is? Weight. Weight. It's uh, it's a lot lighter. Uh, the magic of the steel is it's more durable. Now, when you and I were in high school, our science teacher told us that titanium was stronger than steel. Asterisk. Mm-hmm. What's an asterisk mean? Uh, Not really.
3: Yeah.
0: If
1: I had 10 pounds of titanium, (laughs) what's that? But. (laughs) Except uh, if I had 10 pounds of titanium and I had 10 pounds of steel, the titanium would be stronger because there's more of it, physically more of it. But if I made a baffle out of titanium and I made a baffle out of steel, same exact baffle, two different materials, the steel will be more durable than the titanium will every single time but i get that magic and, and again i can shoot this on my ar it'll be fine especially in 300 blackout it's magical um, if i'm going to use it on something that i need more durability i'm going to go with that Inconel over the, ti- the titanium does that make sense
0: it does make sense well, let's do this cuz we're kind of we are kind of getting into the listener questions let's just go ahead and go to the listener questions now i'm ready and you said you went through those I did.
1: Actually, I made a list of some of them.
0: Okay. Let's go through the ones that you
3: picked.
1: Uh, Ryan said, what is my go-to silencer? Uh, in the line, I, I tend to go one per category. The twenty two can, if you put that on your three twenty two pistol or your ten twenty two rifle, whatever you have that's in 22 you you're going to giggle like that 12-year-old girl. <laughs> it's You're going to make less noise than... Um, shooting airsoft. Uh, it's the most fun you can have with your pants on and that's optional. It is a twenty two with a nice can on
0: it. Yeah, there's no losses and, you gotta wear your pants when you There's when you none shoot at all. It's
1: not even listed by the NRA as a safety feature. Uh, <laughs> in pistol I like our Mod X9. The Mod X nine is a segmentable, reconfigurable nine millimeter so that if I'm using it on a bigger pistol I use it in the Full configuration. If I'm going to use it, say on my 365, I knock it down to three baffles, and I'm still at a hearing safe level, about 39 dB. Um, I prefer the nine over the 45. Uh, this one actually last year won the SOCOM contract for the Mark 27 silencer for SOCOM.
0: Is that a great, 3D? Great... Is that a 3D printed?
1: It is, and uh, in the handgun and the rifle, all of our suppressors are. DMLS or 3D printed is what we would call that, direct metal laser centering, where we are growing it like if you're making a Kermit the Frog at home on your printer, we can do the same thing with suppressors. Uh, Last year or the year before at SHOT Show, when I did an interview introducing these, uh, I got asked by uh, the interviewer if I thought that DMLS or printing was the future of suppressors. And I looked kind of shocked for a second and said, no. We're doing it right now. Everybody else will do it later on. Now, I don't want to give the illusion that we were the first people to print uh, suppressors. We're not. Uh, There's a couple of people who beat us to doing that. Why would we print over welding those baffles together? By doing DMLS or printing the silencer, we can make designs that we could not make with baffles. You know, Anybody can draw something on a piece of paper, but can you actually manufacture it? The printing allows us to do a lot of things that we could not do with traditional baffles.
0: Things that were Uh, theoretical before, you can make that happen with the, the 3D printing.
1: Exactly. Another great thing that nobody thinks about with the printing is this is all one piece. There are no baffles. And again, something we don't talk a lot about in the industry is That when we weld things together, a weak point could be the welds. If we're doing dissimilar materials, let's say I'm using that Inconel as a baffle, but I've got a spacer to hold those baffles apart, and I'm welding those together, I don't have to use the magical Inconel or Stellite in that spacer baffle, that costs money, so I'm going to use a lesser material to just hold the parts apart. When I weld that Inconel with, say, 316 stainless, I'm creating a third alloy, that is not either 316 or that uh, Incanal or Stellite. So it becomes a weak point in there. So how do we get around that? We don't make any welds. Uh, one of the questions that I saw was, are these full auto rated? More than you know. We, uh, I, there's one company that says belt fed rated. They don't make bell feds. We do. You'll never <laughs> guess what salienter we put on our bell feds. Our Incanal.
0: The Incanal. We
1: do that all the time. Uh, our pistol cans are titanium. Again, in pistol, we want to make lightweight for functionality of the, of the gun. I would not use our uh, segmentable cans on full auto, but not a lot of people have full auto out there.
0: Are all your cans serviceable?
1: So serviceable is a weird term. It's a internet thing.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, in handgun, absolutely. In rimfire, fire, Absolutely. In rifle, you don't want a take-apart rifle can if you're going to shoot it hard. Uh, Take-apart and high-pressure is called a hand grenade.
0: Make sense? Yep, that makes sense.
1: So what I tell people is if you want to clean your rifle can, plug up the ends, put in some uh, odorless mineral spirits, agitate it real good, let it sit, pour it out. You're going to see some black fluid come out. Mm -hmm. You know what that does? What's that do? It makes you feel good. I said that in the beginning.
0: <laughs> Makes you feel good. So, Makes you feel good. So are you saying there's really no need to clean it?
1: In the rifle cans, no. Uh, I can tell you I don't clean my oven either. It <laughs> get really hot. Now, uh, I said 9mm, I said 22 in uh, the rifle line. I am a champion for our 5.56 five, can. This thing is amazing.
3: What's it called? We, uh,
1: Get off today. I want to talk in depth about this 5.56 can. Okay. It will change your life if you've ever shot a rifle silencer on a rifle. This I, I've, I've got stories about how Let's this talk. makes people. No, keep going. Right.
0: Let's talk about it. So, in
1: 2015, uh, there was a contract called Surge, S-U-R-G, which is suppressed upper receiver group. The suppressed upper receiver group had a lot to do with the temperature of the can
3: yeah
1: uh, when you shoot the cycle that they were shooting you would get the silencer up to about 950 degrees 900 950 degrees but one of the things that they wanted was that i want they wanted to be able to touch the outside of the can or the outside of the vessel and it'd be no more than 160 degrees so if i was doing a transition to a pistol when i put the saw sil- the silencer down i don't tattoo myself in the leg yeah make sense yeah so we did it in the simplest possible method. I'll tell you that my way that I wanted to try was a, everybody's got a Yeti cup, right? You probably have one around there
0: in the studio with you. Well, we call them, we call them Letties around here, John. They're the talking, Perfect. the talking Letties <laughs> Keeps Perfect. your drinks, keeps your drinks seconds colder than a Yeti, the talking Letty.
1: Perfect. But uh, what that <laughs> is, is vacuum technology. So it keeps the heat on the inside and keeps the outside cool. So I'm like, let's make a silencer out of a vacuum tube. Uh Well, it turns out you can't scuba dive or skydive with uh, your Yeti cup or your Letty cup because it'll compromise the tube. So what we did was we actually put a cage over the outside. And that cage was titanium with an aramid material woven into it so that if you were to touch yourself with it, again, you wouldn't be able to hurt yourself. And uh, we won that contract. They came back to us and said, we also want something else. We said, what's that? And they said, well, there's a lot of toxic fumes that are made when you shoot your gun with your silencer, that back pressure. And we've got people who have been at war now in special operations, using suppressors for 20 years. And we're seeing some medical issues with that, that we're seeing cancers, we're seeing heavy little heavy metal poisons, yeah. and uh, we yeah. want to get rid of that back pressure. Now, how back pressure works is if I had a gun laying here, a rifle laying here, I had a suppressor on the end of it, and uh, it's loaded, ready to go. I have low pressure throughout the entire gun until I pull the trigger. When I pull the trigger, it's gonna create higher pressure in the chamber area of the gun. As the bullet goes down the barrel, that pressure is pushing the, the bullet and following it down the bullet. When it gets to the gas block, something is going to happen. If it's direct impingement, if it's short stroke, long stroke, alien technology, it doesn't matter. <laughs> something is going to happen at the gas block to start my extraction and ejection phase in the gun. The bullet continues through, gets into the silencer. That silencer is going to um, capture that gas and slow it down. While it's doing that, I'm getting into my extraction phase. And as the bolt opens up, it creates low pressure in the chamber area. And what happens is I've got high pressure in the suppressor. I've got ambient pressure down here at the chamber. And just like when we're looking at the news and uh, the newsman goes, we've got a high pressure zone here. We've got a low pressure zone here. So we're going to see the high pressure move towards that low pressure. Same thing happens in your gun. And there's a barrel, a big tube between the suppressor and the chamber area of the gun. And that causes that gas to go backwards towards the shooter, which is where we get all of that gas coming back at us. Now, if you have shot a rifle with a suppressor on it, you smelled what smells like ammonia, right? Or you see a video on YouTube and the guy disappears in a cloud of smoke while he's shooting his gun. And that's how that happens. Well, there's a lot of chemicals inside of that gas that he's breathing. There's hydrogen, cyanide, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, ammonia, mercury, a whole litany of things that you are being exposed to by doing that. And so the military said, we want to do away with all of that. We want a suppressor that will have equal to or less back pressure to the shooter and to the gun. Remember, also with the gun, if I have increased back pressure, I'm wearing on the parts faster as well. So it's not good for the shooter. It's not good for the gun. So we want to have as little back pressure as we can get to the firearm. So we did that. And in our SLX line, uh, like the SLX 5.56, we get about 70 to 80% reduction of that back pressure over other design soldiers on the market. So to kind of explain that, if I take a standard M4 rifle and I measure the amount of gas that the shooter is exposed to. It's about 125 parts per million every time he fires the gun. Now, if I add a typical suppressor to that uh, rifle, Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump to about 220 to 550 parts per million that he's being exposed to when he's shooting that. So we did a lot of research. We did a lot of designing and where we have 125 parts per million, Without a suppressor on it, if we put this SLX-556 onto the gun, I drop from 125 to 95. So I get less back pressure, less gas exposure to the shooter with the suppressor on it than I do with the no suppressor on the gun. Where's it going?
0: Where's it going? What's that? Where's it going?
1: Uh, It's going out the front. So this is what's called a pass-through design. And when so we it see redirects it. I don't know how much of it you can see. A lot of that gas is coming forward instead of, uh, and that's, remember, I talked about the designs that we could not make with a, uh, a traditional baffle designs that we could print. Yeah. So take a look at that. And that, if you see the design on that end cap, it's also a built-in flash hider that doesn't add anything to the overall length of the suppressor as well. Ah. So we're doing sound reduction, and we're doing flash reduction with that. Now, the first time I took one of these out to a demo uh, was at the Rainier Training Facility in Kansas. And uh, we had two left-handed guys that were in the class. Now, left-handers love left-handers, but you guys put your face on the wrong side of the gun. (laughs) And you expose your face to the ejection port. Right. And when you do that, all of that gas is coming back down the barrel is hitting you straight in the face. And anybody who is left-handed on your podcast and has shot a rifle with a suppressor before will tell you about living with burning embers and the gas coming straight back into their face. So we're in Kansas. I have two different people who are left-handed in two different classes and both of them independently turned around and went, that is the best experience shooting a silencer on a rifle that I've ever had because I'm not getting a full face full of all of his gas and crap.
3: Yeah. Um, it,
1: if you're left-handed, it will change your life when it comes to shooting a silencer on the gun. And if you're right-handed, again, there's some positions. I may have to change to my other shoulder, but even if I'm right-handed, I'm still not getting all that gas back to me. That 125, parts per me in 220, 550, I'm back down to that 95. Right. So it, it literally will change. There's no reason not to have it on the gun. So is there? And my question was, which is my go-to? My go-to five, in five, a rifle, if I'm shooting five-five-six, is the SLX five-five-six can. It will change your life. That's the easiest way to to put that.
0: I'm sold. <laughs> he just sold me on it. Let me ask mm-hmm. you this. So, I mean, we're, you're looking at all these designs for the the suppressor, and and with suppressors and silencers being used more and more, especially in the military. Are there designs being done to the, the rifle, the gun itself, to mitigate the gas?
1: As much as possible, yes.
3: Because but again,
1: that, remember, if I put the silencer on the end of the gun and I've got a big tube going from one end to the other, the, the biggest part of it is changing the technology.
0: Right, right. Okay. But I'm just saying that, you know, that there's, there's the other things side, to consider that you don't handles. have to put all the technology in the can itself. There could be some technology brought back to the weapon. There uh, is, and there are do some do that designs
1: too. that are better hosts than others. Sure. So like when you want, because you own an M1A, and everybody who owns one loves one, they want to put a silencer onto it. Um, the problem is everybody's face is exposed to that chamber. As the bolt drops, it exposes your face to the uh, chamber of the gun, whether you're right or left-handed, so that's going to... Push all that burning gas back at the shooter, no matter if you're right handed or left handed. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you said you had some more questions there that you'd. That I do. So, that
1: Bailey, that was Ryan, by the way, on What's My Good? Ryan here. Reisner, yep. Uh, Bailey said, How was I involved in the suppressor for NGSW? I was not. Um, I had a few ideas in the beginning, but that's when I started the position for training. A uh, guy by the name of Chris Crass is the guy who spearheaded the NJSW uh, suppressors. Amazing guy, uh, smarter than I will ever be. Not kidding. Uh, what kind of advancements did uh, SIG make? We talked about that. Um, manufacturing methods, yes, we're using DMLS. Um, Mustang Perry.
3: Mustang, okay. My opinion
1: on a uh, thirty caliber do-it-all, we pretty much covered that, too, as well. Uh, by all means, if you've got a thirty caliber can, you can put it on your five you five, You're going to get tired of trying to swap the uh, hot can at the range and put it on your, your other gun. Um, we're in a – I liken it to optics. Uh, used to be when you and I were young men. We would buy a really nice optic and we put it on our best rifle. But when we sold that best rifle, what do we do with the optic? Take it off. We hold on to it and we put it on the next best rifle. Yeah. You know, you always sold rifles. You never sold optics. Yeah. Well, now when you go into a store, you start looking around and you're like, I'm going to buy this rifle. I'm going to need this red dot. I'm going to need this sling. I'm going to use this trigger. Where it-
0: Lost you.
3: You cut out.
1: Uh, uh we're let's cutting see. out there. Next, next one I had was burst 87. How many rounds does a suppressor tell failure and why? I'm uh, paraphrasing what he said. It was a little sure. long. Uh A suppressor, a well-made suppressor, will typically outlive the barrel that you put it on, even in titanium. Uh, in Inconel, you're typically going to get a couple of barrel lights out of that. Oh, wow. Uh, when we're talking about what will cause damage to your silencer. It is the same thing that will cause damage to your barrel. Uh, if your, your barrel life depends on how quickly you shoot it. It depends on how short your barrel is. The longer it is, the, typically the more life you get. Um, all those things that decrease your barrel life also decrease your silencer life.
0: Make sense? Talk about the, the weight of the Inconel versus the other materials. How does it compare?
1: So, the E is going to be heavier than titanium. Uh, in titanium, everybody thinks it's a rarer metal than steel is, but actually, titanium is one of the most abundant metals on earth. Uh, the problem with titanium is um, what's the term I'm looking for? Refining. Uh,
0: Mining, refining. Mining, refining. And if yeah. you take
1: a look at the different makeups of titanium, in there you'll see V, which stands for val- valadium. And you'll see A, which is aluminum. And again, we would never think of aluminum as a high durability product, but it because that's why we get that lower weight
4: yeah.
0: than
1: we do in that Inconel.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. It is kind. Of, you see it in the aviation industry, uh, right? Quite a bit. Exactly. Um, giddy up, and it's kind of a question that I have too. And you're talking about the aluminum and the titanium and the Inconel. Um, is the entire suppressor or silencer made of that one material or how many different materials go into
3: uh, a can?
1: That's a really good question. It depends on the uh, or what silencer that we're using. Uh, if you're using a QD-type silencer, typically that will be made out of steel. Even if you have a, a titanium suppressor, the uh, mounting materials will be made out of steel. Make sense?
0: Because, yeah, because no, I mean, of the what it's attaching to, you want it to right. and We're to be taking durable. it off
1: and we're putting it back on. We're taking it off putting it back on. If we've got a more malleable material, I'll start getting that out of, uh, out, of out of spec. Yeah. So steel holds up to wear like that a lot more. The way that we're doing it, we're printing the uh, the baffles. This one happens to be titanium. And then the back end here, you can see that it's two different pieces. That is That is a steel back end. Now, there have been companies in the past that have made aluminum threads. The problem is they don't last that long. So in here, which is our high high wear part, when I'm putting it onto the gun, the threads on the gun are steel. The threads on the uh, suppressor are steel as well, even if the the body is titanium.
0: Make sense? Very good.
1: Now, in ours, remember that I talked about, it's all Inconel all the way through. And then we've got steel down here at the bottom for the mounting surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we don't have any of those other materials to uh, mix in there to make uh, uh, areas for failure.
0: Okay. Guns, Guns Oil and Dirt ask, what is the best combination in your opinion? Powder, barrel length, bullet weight, and suppressor for a CQB rifle?
1: Well, it's going to come as no shocker to you that I'm a 300 blackout kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, 300 Blackout. And I I used to have to explain this to people um, about what makes 300 Blackout so different. And I would get into about supersonic versus subsonic, and I would see their eyes glaze over. And they couldn't get into the concept that I could have two different types of ammunition in one gun. So I'd have to take it back a step and I go, Do you own a Remington 870? And they go, Yeah. I said, Okay. I'm going to go bird hunting. What kind of ammunition am I going to use? And they go, oh, I'd use birdshot. I said, okay, I'm going to go into heavy brush and I'm going after hogs. Um, what type of ammunition should I use there? And they go buckshot. I said, okay. Um, while I'm out, I see a deer. It's in deer season. I see a deer at a hundred yards. I do a switch to another type of ammunition so I can hit further. What is that? And they go a slug. I said, okay. So what you're telling me is you can change the ability and the uh, the use of the firearm just by changing the ammunition. And they'd go,
0: oh,
1: I get it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's I a good analogy.
0: I like that. Yeah.
1: Right. So if I'm going to be shooting against somebody who may have armor, uh, I want to do the most lethality. I'm going to use supersonic. If I'm uh, being dynamic, I'm not trying to be quiet. I'm going to use supersonic. Ah, uh, supersonic in 300 blackout hits 23 to 50 percent harder than 556 in any given barreling. So I'm going to hit harder with 300 blackout. Um, if I'm going to be surreptitious, I'm going to shoot subsonic. If I'm going to go out with my brother and we're going on a picnic to the range, we're going to shoot a lot of subsonic because it's the the least bang for the buck. You know, that's where all the uh, the goodness is. Mm. Everybody loves to shoot 300 blackout subsonic. So it has, it, could I use it for entry if I'm doing a surreptitious entry? Absolutely. There's reasons for all of that.
0: What's Does that the, make sense? What's the best length uh, for the 300 blackout for suppression?
1: The internet will tell you that a nine inch barrel is the optimum barrel length. And In uh, Advanced Charmant, we actually made the nine inch because of the, the criteria for the military. Uh, If you look at what the criteria for the military for 300 blackout was, we had to be, compared to two different guns, one was the MP5SD, the gold standard of suppressed subguns at the time, and the M4. They wanted a gun that could be as quiet as an MP5SD, uh, no heavier than an MP5SD, no bigger than an MP5SD, but be able to shoot uh, a round that was as lethal And had the distance of an AK-47. What's the Gunny Highway thing? The preferred firearm of our enemy. (laughs) Um, So they wanted it to meet meet all of those different criteria. So we had size, weight, and sound. So we worked out a silencer to get the sound part. Then we maxed out the uh, size, and that left us with a 9-inch barrel on an M4-type rifle. That's how we came up with 9-inch and it turns out it's pretty magical with a nine inch barrel
0: does the can length uh make a difference on that
1: it can yes because again the more volume i have on the inside typically the quieter it's going to be so if you take a look at these two right here this is our 762 which is 300 win mag this is our 300 blackout can it says right on it 300 blackout but it also it can run to 300 wind mag. doesn't really matter. Um, so everybody goes, well, can I shoot supersonic blackout? Yes. You can shoot 300 wind mag through this. But you'll see that one is bigger than the other one. This is going to give me a little bit better sound, which is why we called it the 300 blackout can. Uh, it's about an inch and a quarter longer than the standard sized 762 300 blackout can. And then we've got our wee tiny little 300 blackout can as well.
0: Nice. I like that one. Um, yeah. But through either, either of those, you can shoot seven sixty two by thirty nine or three hundred blackout. You can you can do that now.
1: Seven sixty two by thirty nine. The thing I tell people to watch for is seven sixty two by thirty nine and seven sixty two by fifty one three hundred blackout bullets are not the same diameter. Three oh eight is 0308 eight. Seven sixty two by fifty one is 0.308. AK rounds are .311. So you've got a safety area in your silencer for the bolt to pass through. The, the area, uh, there's a safety, um, what's the term I'm looking for? A, a, a Buffer. Little bit of, there's a buffer. Extra room, Right. Yeah. And because I'm using a bigger bullet in the AK, I take up some of that safety room. That makes sense?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other thing is that there's not a lot of AKs out there that have uh, concentric threaded barrels on them. So you need to be careful about that as well because if your silencer is not straight, you're going to get hit. and we're taking up some of that safety room as well uh by by happenstance uh the mcx which was designed for 300 blackout initially we offer in 300 blackout and 556 we literally just came out with a 762 by 39 version and you'll never guess what i'm putting on (laughs) it
0: i just got a little chubby uh i'm telling
1: you it's it's pretty uh, pretty awesome
0: so several of our listeners uh wanted to know this and Isom put it down. He said, I'd like to know what the 300 blackout offers compared to the 762 by 39.
1: I wrote that one down as well. So I would get that uh, in the early days of 300 blackout, people would say, well, if the 300 blackout supersonic is ballistically similar to 762 by 39 or 3030, why would you, why didn't you make uh, an AK that could shoot super and sub. Why did you make a M4? And the reason for that was it was a requirement of the, uh, the contract was that it take an M4. And uh, the other side to that is that a uh, 300 blackout or 556 round is a straight walled cartridge where a 7.62 by 39 is a tapered cartridge and you can get into trouble with AR-type magazines uh, with 762 by 39 because you need that radical uh, curve in the magazine. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it had to be reliable. Remember, this was made for some people who are going into combat with it and that they were going to risk their life with it. And you can't have a – it works, you know, 80% of the time it works every time. It had to be 100% or nothing.
0: Is there uh, anything in the books or on the on the design table for us uh, a- an AK design?
1: I don't talk about products that we might or might not come out with in the future.
0: Okay, that's good enough. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but well,
1: we did make one. It was a five five six R. Was probably one of the finest AK style rifles out there. Long stroke gas piston took AK magazines. Uh, it was awesome. And people who own them will never get rid of them. You never see them come up on GumBroker.
0: No, oh, what's it called?
1: Uh, five Five Six R R for Russian.
2: I'm
0: gonna look that up. You should. Uh, how long ago was that that you that you manufactured those? You do you know?
1: Uh, I'm gonna guess that it was in the 2005 to
3: 2010 range. Okay.
1: Wild, wild guess there.
0: So, we do this, uh, this other show. It's called the Talking Lead AK Corner, and we just talk, you know, AKs and comm block weapons on uh, on that show. So, I'll mm-hmm. have to get you on that episode sometime.
1: Uh, another one I saw was Old Tennessean. Uh huh. Said, What's the difference between a pistol and a rifle suppressor? Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about full auto capable, we talked about, you know, in-canal, things like that, heavy duty, the high pressure, any of the rifle rounds are going to be high pressure, so you want something that will live up to that high pressure. Pistol rounds are low pressure. So we, for function of the firearm, most firearms, and of course, somebody on your podcast is going to go, that's not true, when I say that most pistols today are drowning tilting barrel designs. And we can all name a gun, a pistol that has a fixed barrel, HKP-9, HKP-7. Um, some people think the Beretta had a fixed barrel, but it didn't. Uh, or if you're going to use it on, say, an MPX or your uh, Scorpion uh, PCC, your Colt PCC, those are fixed barrels. So, But if you're using it on your Browning Tilting Barrel Design pistol, There is moving parts here in the back, and I actually have a couple of pieces here to show you. Okay. One is the piston. The piston is what the barrel threads onto, and then there is a spring that goes over the top. Now, what this spring does is when the gases go into the silencer, they're going to hit those baffles like an umbrella in the wind and pull it forward against that spring, And that's going to float the weight of the silencer on the barrel and make it invisible to the gun, but only for that long. And that's enough for the gun to cycle. So you're going to get that reliable cycling. Hmm. If we don't have that, then if I've got a teeter-totter, okay, I put a little kid on the elbow end here, it's going to do this, right? Right. If I put a bigger kid on this end, what happens? So I put a silencer on this end. It's going to tilt up, and it's going to keep the barrel locked into the slide, and it won't unlock. So you're going to get one shot off, and i have got to manually cycle the gun to get it to fire again. Yeah. So lighter weight.
0: Let's, let's, see what let's do we one more, and then uh, I want to get into the new guy questions. Yes, sir. And then we'll get, and then we'll pick pick our winners for the giveaways.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had the question. Oh, I, just, uh, I thought you
0: had one more there. You wanted to field.
1: I deleted it, so uh, do you have another
0: one? Yeah. Let's see. There was a good one here. P Man 301 Where was that at? He has something about the design of the baffles. Um, is it a fad or are they here to stay?
1: I did see that one.
0: Uh, Are modular suppressors, especially the ones that have the baffles which screw into each other without a tube, here to stay or are they a fad?
1: I think, in my opinion and uh, I'm nobody, I'm just John. In rifle, remember I said this is high uh, pressure high temperature Uh, take apart and and threading baffles together is a bad idea. Uh, Again, high pressure and take apart is considered a grenade. Uh, In Pistol silencers and rimfire silencers, honestly, I think it's here to stay because you can change the overall size. Now, usually when I say that, and I tell you that uh, you can use it in the full for the best sound, or you could go down to three baffles and still be at 139. It's sort of like a, a one to six power scope. How many times do you go to three power? It's one or it's six. So the same kind of thing. You're gonna with this. You're gonna keep it in full configuration, or you're gonna drop it down to that three. You're not gonna leave it at four baffles or five baffles, typically. Right. Now, when I go to put it on my PCC carbine, that PCC has a longer barrel, and that longer barrel gives the powder more time to burn and drop in pressure. So I don't need as big a suppressor as I would on a pistol to get better sound. So on my MPX with an eight-inch barrel three baffles may be just the bee's knees and I don't need to have all on there. So it just gives you more options.
0: There you go. But do you, you think that's going to be the trend or do you I think, do. Okay.
1: And we've seen that uh, already where uh, more companies are coming out with that and people love options.
0: Absolutely. You know, variety is the spice you know, of life.
1: We talked about cleaning earlier. When I take the silencer apart and I uh, take the baffles
0: you froze again. When I t- take the silencer apart and I take the baffles out is where you cut off.
1: Am I back? I'll, I'll wave my hand until I'm back.
0: Yeah. You, uh, when I take the suppressor apart and I take the baffles out is where you froze. Yep,
1: I can better access the inside of the baffles for cleaning if I wanted to do that. It's silly, but in a pistol silencer, just clean the uh, moving parts, that piston spring, wipe all those down, uh, lubricate the piston, use uh, a nice white lithium grease or a grease that says firearms on the tube, and that'll keep everything moving very nice. When I talk about cleaning, I tell people, if, if you want it to move, oil it. If you don't want it to move, don't oil it. You know, when <laughs> I get to QD, people go, my QD on my so-and-so QD is slipping and coming off. I go, well, don't oil the muzzle device on there, and it won't do that. Yeah. Oh.
0: Oh. <laughs> Science. It's science, the scientist, the silencer scientist, John Hollister, ladies and gentlemen. So before, while they're fresh on our mind, let's go ahead and uh, award our our prizes here. What was your favorite question out of all those? We're going to award them the Seal One uh, cleaning Mm -hmm. kit here, You know, I
1: kind of like the, uh, what is my go-to? That was my favorite question.
0: Okay, do you remember who asked that?
1: I don't, but I could look on the Instagrams and figure it out.
0: Let's see. It was one of
1: the first ones, I think.
0: All right, let me scan through here. One of the first ones. What's your go-to SIG suppressor and why? Ryan Reisner.
1: Ryan. Thank you for the question, Ryan. Ryan will be happy.
0: Uh, our last AK corner, John, we gave away a Century Arms BFT-47 uh, AK rifle. Had a big right. contest and you know, all these entries and everything. Uh, he was not one of our winners. So there you go. He's he's a winner of this episode. Now. Yeah, he's a winner this episode. All right, so now let's give away uh, something from Mission First Tactical. We're either going to do a magazine, depending on what state you're in, uh, dump tray, something from from Mission First Tactical. What was your your second favorite?
1: Second favorite would be uh, how do I feel about a thirty caliber can that does everything?
0: Ooh, I don't remember that one. Yep. Where's that at? On the Instagrams. Do everything. Here we go, Mustang Perry.
1: Mustang Perry.
0: Mustang Perry, you win the Mission First Tactical. Prize! Congratulations on that. Um, Do you want to give anything away from Sig? You got a hat, t-shirt, or anything like that you want to give away? I'm unprepared,
1: but um, I'm sure I'll tell you what. Uh, I do have a uh, Sig Silencers hat that I will donate in there. Oh, okay. I'll let you pick who it was.
0: Okay, so there we go. Very generous of John here. He's going to put up a Sig silencer hat. And let's see. I'm gonna just go random. CSR guns. Perfect. Price point. Will silencers? And we didn't talk about this. Will silencershop.com carry these uh, attachment types? QD cross compatibility with other brands. Attachment points. Warranty. Material used. Full auto rated. Um.
1: We answered most of that. Uh, warranty, if you break it, we'll fix it. If we can legally fix it, we will. Uh, we've had to replace some cans sometimes that we couldn't legally fix. Um, bad part about that. Well, the great part is you get a brand new can. The bad part is that uh, you got to do the tax stamp and do the weight again.
0: There you go. So, but if there's
1: any way to do it, we'll save it.
0: All of our winners... Contact me, talkinglead at gmail.com. I need your, your uh, mailing info, um, shirt size just in case. Uh, and then, John, I'll forward you CSR Guns info when they send it to me. Perfect. Very good. So thanks for the questions, heads. I really appreciate everyone's participation. That's how you win prizes and cool stuff on this show. You participate, you listen, and you win. I don't contact the winners, John. They have to listen to find out if they won or not.
1: <laughs> and you put it at the end, of course.
0: No, they know that. If they listen to the show, they know that. That's just that's just standard. That's that's how right. it works. We we reward our listeners. All right. So now it's time for our new guy questions, John. This is a little line of questions that I do to get our, our listeners more familiar, not with the product or, or the company, but the person. Okay. so we want to we want to learn more about John Hollister himself first question is uh, do you have any military law enforcement uh, background or experience
1: uh, I do uh, worked in law enforcement for 25 years did a little bit of everything uh, you know if you worked in law enforcement you know you you work your day job but you're also on the dive team you're also uh, you know all the, the negotiations team all of that did all of that um,
0: did you do did that in New Hampshire? Stuff.
1: No, no, down, down the south.
0: Florida? Yes. Okay. What else did you do there? Uh, 25 years, you yeah, said? What's that? You did that for 25 years?
1: Did it for 25 years. Now, the other thing I did was I was always that hustling guy. I always had to have two or three jobs. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd worked in dive stores down there. I'd work in gun stores occasionally down there. I always had to have a lot of things uh, to do. Uh, in about 2000, I actually, on my vacation comp, all the time I could squeeze off, I worked for a knife company called Emerson Knives, ah. and I uh, did that for 12 years. Uh, Emerson Knives, just tremendous human beings, great product. Uh, yeah. Ernie Emerson is one of the, my my closest friends in the world. Uh, tremendous family. Support Emerson Knives.
3: Uh,
0: on, a, on a side note here, I noticed... Uh, your post uh, with James Yeager, you know, James Yeager and I were friends also. Um, Me too.
1: Uh, I miss James very much. He was a tremendous human being. There's two kinds of people when it comes to James. Those who know him and love him and those who never met him but hated him on the internet. Yep.
0: That that sums it up. Definitely. We did, the uh, other thing
1: about James is you never had to worry about wondering how he felt about you.
0: <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, he, he'd tell you right off. Exactly.
1: Right to your face.
0: Uh, and if he didn't talk to you, that told, told you everything you needed to know right there. Absolutely. Uh, well, we did a nice tribute to James uh, all the times that he'd been on the show, put together a nice little episode for you lead heads. Um, if you haven't caught that episode, you can go back. It was about four episodes ago. Um, but, yeah. Oh,
1: and to tie it, it, it tied into a Blackout, James came to SHOT Show one time. And actually, one of those three pictures that I put up has James doing the hands in the air.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Um, he came into my booth, uh, Devance Arment, and said, I don't get it. Like, tell me about 300 Blackout. And by the time we got done, he was a true believer.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he
0: always had good things to say about the the 300 Blackout. Well, you said, I'm going to pull up your, while we're talking here, I'm going to pull up your Instagram page, if that's okay. Sure. um, Since it is public. If you
1: like uh, food.
0: I love food. That's like my... My kryptonite, I love it. You got Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston, John. I didn't tell you this. He's actually the pilot of Lead Force One for our Leadhead Brigade heroes. Where?
1: Nice. Yeah. Wish I'd have gotten to meet him.
0: Yeah, I never got to meet him either. All right. Next question is. Um, So the military, law enforcement, uh, you got the law enforcement background. Thank you for your your service to our community down there in Florida. They've got the big hurricane coming in too, so our our Florida listeners.
1: And uh, I've talked to a lot of people I used to work with down there, and uh, and if you're in law enforcement, you end up having to work at every uh, every hurricane and stuck in the station until it dies enough for people to go out, then you go find out what kind of damage is done. Uh, A lot of people that I work with are all retired now, and they're very glad they're not – not still stuck in the station or a school to do uh, guard duty.
0: Yeah. Uh, They're the ones that have to, they're the heroes. You know, they got, they can't flee. They got to stay there during all that. Send your family
1: to Georgia and stay.
0: So, um, we talked a little bit about hunting. You said that you don't do as much as, as you used to. I do. Um, but you do get into the eradication. What's one of the, the funnest hunts that you've ever been on? Um, or eradications
1: for eradication uh went down one time with uh lone star boars todd really good guy uh went down there to eradicate a bunch of hogs uh we pull up one time to a gate to get out and i'm looking through night vision i see this uh texas longhorn steer staring at me through the night vision i'm like do they eat people (laughs) Todd was like no they don't just don't shoot them because they're very expensive Yeah. As you can see, I went to Peru uh, on vacation.
0: Nice. Very nice. Was that recently? Did you do that this year?
1: I did. I uh, went this summer because summertime here is wintertime in South America.
0: I see that you've got the terminal list up there. Are you friends with Jack?
1: I wouldn't call it friends. I uh, have met him several times. We've had a lot of good conversations. Uh, One of them, uh, he was expressing his love for the uh, six-hour 226 particularly the mark 25 and i uh, told him that come the end of the world there's gonna be two things left cockroaches and two two sixes and he grabs his notebook and starts writing it down, and he goes that's gonna end up in a book
3: uh-huh. so if you
1: see it you know where it came from
0: will say it again the...
1: i said uh, if you see it in the book you know where it came i know from.
0: there's gonna be two things left in the world a eh? cockroaches, cockroaches and...
1: and two two sixes okay i've read so all, all his very books I... cockroaches.
0: i'll have to uh i'll have to back and peruse that that sounds familiar so he may have put that in there
1: no he hasn't put it in one yet
0: okay Uh, he's gonna let you know too i'm sure
1: i'm sure really really good guy
0: he's been on the show a couple of times
4: yep all
0: right next question is um do you remember the first firearm that you ever shot First
1: hmm. firearm I ever shot. And what um, was it? Uh, yes, I do, actually. But uh, it was a Air Force GAU-5, uh, 11 and a half inch M16. Uh, shot it at an Air Force base at a demo day. But really, there's another one uh, that changed my life. And that was when I was about 21 years old, working at the PD. I got uh, invited to come out to an HK weapons demo, for our SWAT team. And okay. I ended up showing up late cause I was out drinking the night before there's a motorcycle right there.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, and, uh, I end up pulling up after it's already started and somebody, as soon as I got off the bike handed me an MP5 SD and I'd never shot one before. And when I did, it was like that scene from blues brothers, where you know, <laughs> Jake blues is in the, it sees the beam of light come through the church. And uh, does the backflips. I didn't do the backflips, but that's how I felt. I'm like, why are not all guns just like this? It was very foreshadowing, if you want to take it that way.
0: Yeah. So that got you hooked, was shooting that MP5. And you hadn't shot a firearm prior to that?
1: No, I had that, but the uh, M4, the uh, GAU5, which is a smaller M16, was the one that the first gun I shot. How old and were you? Was when I was probably about sixteen. When I was about twenty-one, is when I shot the MP5 SD.
0: Gotcha. And during your police uh, career, what was your issue for the police?
1: Uh, we started out uh, while I was there with uh, Smith and Wesson Model sixty-six, three fifty-sevens, and uh, in nineteen eighty-seven switched over to Smith and Wesson fifty-nine O sixes, and in nineteen ninety-eight. We switched to Glock 19s and 17s, Cs, actually.
0: And what was the first firearm that you could call your own that you purchased yourself?
1: The first gun that I bought myself was, dating myself here, a uh, Colt agent. It was back in the 80s. Uh, they'd come out with a Parkerized six-shot revolver um, Called the agent, and that was the first pistol, the first revolver that I had purchased myself.
0: Do you still have that?
1: I don't. I wish I did.
0: Oh, I yeah. uh, have
1: stopped selling guns. Now I just buy guns, but uh, <laughs> back then you had to sell one to buy one.
3: I got you. Uh, I down got there
1: you. in the bottom left corner, one of my favorite guns that we did at Advanced Armament. That is the H&R Handy Rifle on the left, not the right, the left.
3: Oh, other
0: way. That one's a. Uh, this one.
1: Uh, 310 carry yep so that there was a gun that we did with h&r and 300 blackout 16 inch barrel youth stock picatinny rail Breach threaded load. um that gun was amazing and we sold the pants off of them um, but you know ne- it's another one of those guns you never see them for sale mm-hmm. nobody ever gets rid of them remember how i talked about if it, uh, low noise gun, because it's single shot, the right. only thing you have is a hammer dropping, put your silencer on there. It will make you giggle. <laughs> and I still have that one.
0: There probably weren't, weren't a lot of those made. Probably why you don't see a lot of them. Uh,
1: we made hundreds of them a month for, uh, I think it was like 500 of them a month for three years. Okay. And when they went to go close H&R, I tried to talk him into leaving it open and giving it to advanced armament that we could do, um, 38, 44, 350, or uh, excuse me, uh, uh, 308, 308, 223, 22. We can just keep selling that uh, single-shot rifle in different uh, configurations, and they just want to close the company.
0: Well, they're lost.
1: Yep. Uh, down at the bottom in the middle is the cross rifle, also great host for a silencer. Uh, we make that in 308 and 65 Creedmoor currently. That one is in 308 with our old uh uh, 10 baffle 308 can on it our bdx scope if you haven't uh, looked into the sig bdx system for optics you should it's science fiction for gun guys you laser where you want to hit it gives a solution to the scope puts a dot in your scope and says aim right here
0: well i want to talk scopes um an episode too. So are you the guy to do the scopes or is there a, nope,
1: but I can get that guy for you. I'm good at scopes, but I got the great guy he, I've got like, I'm the silencer guy. I've got that guy for scopes. And, and uh,
0: okay. Well, my folks. We'll talk. We'll talk. Next yeah. question is, um, when it comes to pop culture, what is your go-to, you know, when you just want to get away and you want to relax, um, uh, Movie, TV show, music, magazine—maybe it's something you know newer like the social media. What's your go-to, go-to so, for escapism? Uh, like
1: everybody else, I'm constantly on the social media. Unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, I do love a well-made movie. So uh, that that would be my my go-to is a well-made movie or uh, audio books because I travel a, a fair amount and I drive a lot. I end up listening to books rather than reading them.
0: Are you Wild more into fiction or non nonfiction?
1: Uh, I like both. Um, it really doesn't matter to me. I tend to go towards fiction, um, yeah. just because there's more out there.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, it's I like to when I when you know when I'm relaxing and I'm getting away. You know, I like to get away and from realism. So, right. you know, I I really dig fiction. What's your what's your favorite movie? Your go to movie? I see you got a a uh, post of the wild geese on here.
1: Wild geese is a great film, but you know, I probably, there's one movie that I probably watch every month or two uh-huh. and have for years. And that's uh, 13 hours. The Benghazi movie.
0: That is a great movie. I do find myself watching that whenever I'm strolling through and I see that it's, that it's on or. Uh, that is my default
1: movie and I own it in Blu-ray. I own it in DVD. I own it on, uh, uh digital, um, that, that is my go-to movie. I don't have anything else It goes on and I listen to it or I watch it. Um, great, great movie. And,
0: uh, what about that movie strikes a chord with you? Just, and
1: again, I don't get political, but sure. it, there's some political undertones to the movie.
0: Oh, absolutely. There are. Yeah. Uh, what I, what really draws me to it, uh, you know, it, again, it's, it's based on a real story, and I think a lot of what they're going that they've got in the movie, they captured the actual events. Because I've had uh, Tonto on the show several times. I've talked to him, met him. Um, I wouldn't say again. I wouldn't say that we're we're friends, but I've had the occasion to talk to him um, several. I've,
1: I've met him. I've met uh, DB. I've met uh,
0: yeah, man. Uh,
1: Geist. I've, I've met a lot of those guys, and
0: uh, yeah, Tonto and I've Ben. Been in- What's that? Tonto and Boone yeah yep yeah
1: those are those are good dudes. Um, but
0: the fact that just, just what they went through and the fact you know that again the, the political stuff that happened there, but they you know they chose to stay and you know they did the honorable thing that that's really what gets me about that movie
1: uh, it's It's America
0: America exactly it captures the essence of what America's about. Um, love that and I love pizza. I saw I saw that, yeah. Oh, that's so good. Where, where is that? Uh,
1: that is Dad Pizza, Maine. When pigs fly, or yeah, it's a place right over in uh, north of Kittery, Maine, and uh, they make a heck of a pizza.
0: It looks like thin, crispy crust. My favorite. It's right. it's topped with with meat meat tastes the best uh, pepperoni pepperoni sausage sausage there
1: sausage there is magical
0: now i would add bacon on there too i'm a bacon guy i love bacon
1: i usually do
0: yeah i would have me some bacon on there too but yeah Mm -hmm. definitely tasty what is you
1: get as much food stuff uh with me as you do gun stuff
0: (laughs) i'm the the same way man I, i love my food um when it so we talked about the pop culture your movie um What is your next, and it doesn't have to be a firearm, it could be anything. What is your next, this is what I'm going to go out when I've got the time or, you know, when it's available, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy this?
1: Um, I tried uh, this past weekend to buy a MCX in 762 by 39 but they didn't have them released yet. Um, So it's probably going to be an MCX. I would new, think, uh, Generation 3 MCX, those are yeah, – the MCX just keeps getting better and better.
0: Yeah, I, was, I would think that you would have dibs on those. <laughs>
1: uh, well, they uh, – trust me, everybody at our experience center knows that uh, I'm waiting.
0: What is your your – laws be damned, money be damned, what is something that you would have or do? Travel. Travel. How, and I how would you travel. travel? What's that? Laws be damned, money be damned. What What would be your ideal travel d- destination, location? Um,
1: I Before COVID, I planned a trip to Africa, and I have not gotten to Africa yet, and I would love to go to Southern Africa, not specifically South Africa, but South of the African. Africa.
0: And do some hunting or just, uh, just explore and see the I site? I would
1: probably go there to see the animals and experience Africa more than hunt.
0: Yeah. Just to take in the, the beautiful
3: Take it all in.
1: Like down in the right corner, you can see, uh, um, the Arizona at, uh. Hawaii? Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know, went to Hawaii just to get away and, uh experience the history, experience the area.
3: Yeah,
0: take, take in the history. A little reminder, never forget.
1: Never forget.
0: Now, are you married? No, sir. Do you have children?
1: I don't, but I have two amazing godchildren. Okay. And uh, they they are both entirely awesome. Uh, Noah is, uh, her mom used to work in uh, Marcos shooting at Glock. Her dad was a, is a former Marine and gunsmith. Uh, if you ever remember the video of the little girl in like the Sunday dress, uh, shooting a bolt gun and just spanking steel out hundreds of yards. Uh And she got like 35 million views. That's my goddaughter.
0: Oh, wow. That's her, huh? Yeah. I remember that.
1: Yeah. People were sending me that video going, can you believe this little girl? I go, yeah, I kind of know her.
0: (laughs) I kind of had something to do with that.
1: (laughs) Yep, and my godson is one of the smartest human beings that I know. He's a a 30-year-old man and a 13-year-old body.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Yep. Now, where's this picture? We're looking at... That's actually
1: not far from uh, that pizza place we were talking about. That is uh, north of Kittery, Maine. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the town, but... Main, as you can imagine, is full of uh, lighthouses.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful lighthouse there. Now, if people actually live there, and that's their their I house. I don't know that you don't know. I don't
1: know whether somebody lives there full time or not. Kind of, but looks I believe like it is still a working lighthouse, so I would assume so.
3: Yeah,
0: kind of looks like it. That's cool.
1: Um, and there's the if you go down a little bit, you'll see the uh, obligatory in and out Burger.
0: Oh, right here. Yep, we're actually—is it you know? No, No, we're getting a Whataburger here, our first Whataburger.
1: Well, Whataburger—that's a Texas thing. Their spicy ketchup is good, but the burgers—it's like Sonic.
0: Yeah, that burger looks good. All right, we got to quit talking food because I'm—I'm getting hungry. We're getting ready to wrap it up here. So, (laughs) got uh, it. Last two questions. There behind me. Next next question. Airport in California. Is I lost my train of thought thinking about that food there. Oh, do are you a conspiracy theorist at all? No, not at all. Then you, not
1: really. Sometimes it's a dude with a gun.
0: When it comes to UFOs or Big Bigfoot, which do you believe exist?
1: Uh, I believe that there are things that uh, I can't explain. So, if you're talking about uh, unidentified flying objects, there's stuff I see every day that crawls on the ground or flies through the air. Aliens. If I have any- Aliens. I'm not a big aliens guy.
0: You don't believe there's aliens?
1: I, you know, that I'm open to it. Okay. But I'm an evidence guy. Gotcha. You know the, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I get people look at me kind of weird. But I would not be at all surprised if a lot of this UFO stuff isn't aliens. It's us, but from the future. You
4: Here's
0: know a that's... concept
1: for you. If uh, time travel is ever going to be um, possible in the future it's possible today
0: that's that's absolutely true and that's that's kind of what i think too that's kind of my theory on a lot of it but i do believe that there there is other life other than on this planet out
1: i'm open to it it might be slime someplace or yeah. it could be futuristic uh things i'm open to it i just haven't met one yet that yeah. i know
0: of. i don't think anything's visited our planet but i, th- I think it exists i think it's out there when uh, you
1: see all of the uh, planets are out there, that's a lot of places to be.
0: Yeah, and that's just what we can with, see.
1: With the uh, the technology we have in telescopes today, it keeps getting better and better. I saw a uh, a video yesterday where they were showing millions and millions of pixels of planets and solar systems around the uh, the country. There's another good movie there, uh, Falling Down.
0: Oh yeah, right here, Michael Douglas. Yeah, that was a good movie remember that all right if you could spend oh wait we didn't talk about bigfoot i believe bigfoot exists also and i would go on a bigfoot hunt but not to not to kill him to there was a a
1: bigfoot uh somebody ran into a bigfoot one time up in montana i forget the name of the lake it's 14 year old girl out at two o'clock in the morning going to get cigarettes (laughs) driving her daddy's pickup truck hit a bigfoot turns out it was a dude in a suit <laughs> again, I like uh, I killed him. I like uh, evidence, so when I see one, I'll tell you I believe in him.
0: Yeah. Would you go on a Bigfoot hunt?
1: I've gone on some hunts that I didn't find anything before. Why not?
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, like That's I said, I wouldn't. Not shooting. I wouldn't go on one to shoot him. I would go on one to to find the evidence. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but I would take a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would. I would take a. Kids. Take one of those SIGs with me. Uh, Last question.
1: I'm a a realist,
0: too. Last question is, if you could spend the day at the range with any person or group of people, fiction, real, live, or or dead, who would you like to spend the day at the range with and why?
1: Really good question. And uh, I would say one of my biggest regrets is that I never got to meet Jeff Cooper. I would love to be able to go to the range and take a class with Jeff Cooper.
0: Okay, tell us who Jeff Cooper is.
1: Sorry, uh, Jeff Cooper is the father of modern gun training. Uh, He's the guy that opened GunSight. I've been to GunSight several times. Um, I have taken classes from his students. Uh, This goes back to, uh, we talked about Emerson Knives, Ernie Emerson one of my dearest friends is actually in the Black Belt Hall of Fame. The reason he went to California was because uh, Bruce Lee died, and he wanted to learn from Bruce Lee's students, and did. And so the same kind of thing. I missed the opportunity to meet, talk to, take classes from Jeff Cooper, the father of modern, modern
3: gunfighter training. training. Yeah,
1: uh, but I have taken a lot of classes from his direct students.
0: I have the privilege of going to Gunsight next month.
1: You're going to have a blast. Every time I'm through that area I stop and say hi.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my first time. Um they come to Nashville quite a bit and train at Royal Range. Uh, we got mm-hmm. a really nice there, really nice range here called Royal Range.
1: You ever... It's uh, an old uh, theater of all things. You've been there? I've been to about every uh, range in America.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, arts a good friend of mine. Yep. Yeah.
1: Nice nice facility.
0: Oh, it's super nice. Yeah. I love it there. Uh, you'll have to let me know next time you come through town.
1: I will.
0: All right, John, you did it. You made it through an episode of the Talking Lead Podcast. How do you feel?
1: <laughs> I feel like I survived. No, it's awesome.
0: No, it has been awesome. And i I usually talk more, but I wanted to capture and listen to and soak in everything that you were saying because you are a wealth of knowledge, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to be on and talking with me and the Leadhead Brigade.
1: Uh, if there's uh, anything else that I can do for you, if there's, you know, again, I, I do all the products for SIG, so if you need something from SIG, if I'm not that guy, I'll get you somebody who is.
0: Well, I greatly appreciate that. Is there is there anything from SIG that we need to be aware of that's coming out or is out? Uh, you got some some news to drop, anything like that?
1: Well, I, can, I don't talk about new products that may or may not be coming in the future. Yeah. Um, so, but... The, uh, the new MCX uh, Gen 3 gun, available in 5.56, 300 blackout, also available in 762 by 39 uh, We're doing one in 16-inch or 11.5-inch in the by 39, 9-inch uh, or 16-inch in blackout, actually 9-inch in blackout, and 16-inch and 11.5 in 5.56. Tremendous rifle. It is, I always hate when people say the next generation of AR, but it quite literally is the next generation of AR.
0: And that picture that I just pulled up, if I, I can't go back to it, it looked like that was a 7.62 because of the magazine. Oh, here it is. The MCX Spear LT? Yes, sir. Is that
1: 7.62? Yes. If it's got the, uh, the curved magazine, that is going to
0: be 7.62 by 39. Nice. I'm digging that. And
1: uh, there's going to be available in rifle, pistol, uh, rifle caliber pistol, and also in SBRs. We're going back to making SBRs for folks because we now have the electronic uh, filing system which has cut down on the amount of time. So there's really no reason not to own an SBR.
0: Very nice. Uh, And you guys can go check them out, SIGsauer.com is uh, SIG's website. I'm sure it's uh, easy to find on all the social media as well. There's probably links on your website. I'm sure to get to uh, our social media yeah.
1: for Instagram. There's a bunch of them that uh, are out there, but ours, the actual one, with that little blue check and six-hour ink, all one word.
0: Yeah, it's right here. I just pulled it up for our video audience. But you, like I said, you can go to their website down at the bottom. You can click on those links, and it'll take you directly there. That way, you know you get the right one, and you're not getting. Uh, some spam stuff. Uh, uh, a lot of
1: bootleg that stick site.
0: Bootleg, there you go. And then John's, if you guys want to go follow John, uh, it's John underscore Hollister.
1: It's uh, John underscore Hollister underscore IG for Instagrams.
0: There you go. Uh, and that'll get you there uh, for John. Well, there you go, Leadheads. Another great episode uh, of Leducating the uneducated. I know I got a lot of education today from John, and I really appreciate it. Uh, we got to have you back on, John. I'm definitely gonna I'm gonna hit you back up. Um, maybe get you on one of these AK corners uh, one day. Um, there you
1: go. And guys, thank you very much for uh, sitting through this, and and I hope you learned something. Uh, if so, take a look at our products. Uh, very proud of them, and uh, would like to see uh, you out there. Well,
0: absolutely. So until the next episode, Leadheads, make sure you go and support all our sponsors. Mission First Tactical, SEAL 1, 1776 United, Factory 47, Defiant Munitions, IWIUS, Kel-Tec Weapons. Go show them all the love. Use those discount codes. Um, and until the next episode, as always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close.
4: And your suppressed firearms closer.